Welcome to the Want to Learn Podcast. I'm your host, Francis Tapon. Ten years ago, a guy named Forrest Fenn hid a treasure chest worth at least $2 million somewhere in the Rocky Mountains. Over a quarter of a million people searched for it in vain. We recorded this episode with Dale Neitzel about two weeks ago, where we talked about this unfound treasure, and we discussed the poem that is associated with it, etc. Right before I published it, Forrest Fenn just announced yesterday that the treasure had been found. We know very little details about it, so this episode is composed of two parts. The first part was recorded about two weeks ago before we knew the treasure was found, and the last part, which is about 10% of the whole podcast, Dale Neitzel's reflections on the announcement that the treasure has been found. Enjoy this fascinating episode. Welcome to the Wonder Learn Podcast. I'm your host, Francis Tapon. In this episode, I have Dale Neitzel. How are you, Dale? I'm, I'm pretty darn good, you know, for a Friday morning. How are you? <laughs> That's right. We're up early today, 6.30 in the morning to do this. But it's also one of the most exciting podcasts I've had this year for sure. I am so thrilled to talk with you. You're an expert about finding treasure. And in this case, it's Forrest Fenn's treasure. Now, a lot of my listeners may not have heard about this, so give us the quick rundown about what Forrest Fenn's treasure is all about. Okay, but one correction. I heard you say I'm an expert at finding treasure. I think I'm an <laughs> expert at looking for treasure. <laughs> I'm not so sure about the finding part. <laughs> uh, well, Forrest Fenn is, presently lives in, uh, in Santa Fe, New Mexico. Uh, he was a uh, uh, a retired Air Force pilot, uh, flew in Vietnam, got shot down twice. And when he got out of the military, he started uh, a gallery in Santa Fe. And arguably, it was one of the most successful galleries ever in Santa Fe. And if you know anything about Santa Fe, that's uh, that's up there because uh, Santa Fe is, uh, is really a, a place, a home for expensive and high-end galleries in the United States. I remember, and, a single, I remember a simple fact that out of, it's number three in the art world. New York, I think, is number one. Number two, I think, is L.A. And number three is Santa Fe in the United States. Yeah, it's a, it's a fun place to visit if you just like browsing. I mean, if you've got money, it's also fun. But if you, even <laughs> if you don't have a lot of money, it's a fun place to, to just uh, cruise up and down on Canyon Street. And, and so uh, Forrest was very successful uh, and, and when he was also a trader, uh, he traded for, uh, Western Indian artifacts, uh, you know, things like uh, arrowheads. He also went looking for those things, uh, pottery arrowheads. Uh, he ended up buying, uh, his own Pueblo south of Santa Fe, uh, and, and began doing his own archeological digs there. Uh, wrote a book about it. He He's also an author. He's written, I don't remember the exact number, something like seven or eight books, most of them about art. Uh, people from all over the world came to Forrest's gallery. Uh, Jacqueline Kennedy uh, came there and stayed in his guest house. Uh, um, he sold to many very high-end paintings to many celebrities who visited him. He got out of the the business in 1988, and he sold it uh, and uh, built himself a, a house. He was living in the gallery, he and his wife and two children. 
and they they built a house in Santa Fe. And Forrest, uh, in 1988, came down with cancer and was told he just had a, a few months to live. And that changed how he decided to live. Uh, he really did believe he was going to be, this was going to be the end of him. So one of his friends was over visiting and asked him as he looked around Forrest's house, what are you going to do with all this stuff that you've collected? You can't take it with you. And Forrest said, well, the heck I can't. And so he devised this plan. And his plan was to go hide a, 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 a box full of some of his favorite and most precious things. This would have been a small box. Uh, and, and he wrote a poem. The poem had directions to finding the chest. They, they were, it was a puzzle poem. It wasn't direct, you know, go to here, go to there. It, it was sort of, but the directions were kind of uh, puzzled. We'll read the poem during the podcast so that people can just hear it because it's not that long. And what we have today is a different poem than the oh, one he originally I didn't know that. wrote. I didn't yes, know that. because Forrest Forrest intended to to die at this place. He was going to uh, going to commit suicide in this place. Uh, he was going to take a lot of sleeping pills. So this was his favorite place in the world. He was going to take his treasure with him. He was going to end his life there. And the last few lines of the poem said something to the effect of, uh, take the treasure and go, but leave my bones alone. So it's a, it had a macabre twist to it right. in the very beginning. And and uh, that was the beginning. And it, then, unfortunately, as Forrest says, uh, pff, uh, everything got changed because uh, he didn't die. <laughs> so I hate when that happens. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You make good plans, and then, uh, so Forrest, when when he recovered from from the cancer, uh, he or when it went into remission, I guess folks say that I guess you never recover from cancer. Uh, but when it went into remission, he changed the poem around a little bit so that you weren't looking for his bones. Uh, still the same place, and he hid the treasure by itself. And he released the poem. And uh, people have been looking for it. So that was in the fall of 2010 when he released the poem. He and put it estimate, up on his website. And Dale, the estimate of the treasure's worth has varied anywhere from one to five million. Is that fair to say? Yes. And, and it hasn't gotten any closer in terms of anybody refining it. Uh, it does seem that every time somebody writes about it, it gets uh, to be a little higher. <laughs> exactly and now it's 20 million <laughs> do i yeah. hear 30 <laughs> yeah yeah but, but but realistically it's somewhere between one and 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 there's all sorts of jewels gems and and ingots and and dollar coins that are made out of gold blah 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 and and also um the story of his life an autobiography written in such tiny little letters that you need a microscope not a microscope but a magnifying glass to read it and all yeah. sorts of other goodies um, yeah, it's, yeah, and, it's and, quite so, and some thing. of those, a lot of the gold and the jewelry that's in there was uh, is historical in nature. So it's worth more than it would be if it was, say, a raw diamond or or if it was brand new gold. It's you know minted into old coins, pieces of eight, and and things like that, which make them much more valuable than the raw price of gold. Right. Now, he wrote this book. It's called The Thrill of the Chase, which you can get. Um, and in the book, that's where he puts the poem in. But the poem is also available. You can see it online anywhere. And the 
uh, thrill that Chase has that poem and he wanted to make sure that people don't think that he's just doing this as a promotion just to sell more books. So he's giving away all his profits. Now, I want you to address a question in less than 60 seconds and you can take six seconds if that's what you want. But I just know that some skeptical listeners are already listening to this and saying, come on, really? Come on. You want me to believe that some guys is going to take a couple million dollars worth of treasure and really just put it out there and just give up his wealth like that? Come on. I don't believe this. Or he doesn't have such a treasure. It's just all a folk fanny, a fa- fantasy. So I know it's an annoying question um, because I, I, I do find it quite credible. But address uh, quickly those skeptics. Well... <laughs> Ordinarily, I wouldn't even. You can swear. Dressing. You can. You can I just swear, walk you can away. Swear. <laughs> That's right. Well, well ordinarily, I, I wouldn't. I mean, <laughs> I, I, I don't have much patience for people who who think like that. I mean, if you did any investigation whatsoever into Forrest's life, you you would know. And and by the way, you should do some investigation into Forrest's life before you start looking for this, because I think where he hid the treasure has a lot to do with who Forrest is. And how he wrote the poem has a lot to do with his sense of humor. But I basically, uh, if someone wants to talk, insists that we talk about this, like you are right now. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. I'm not doing it for myself. (laughs) Then I say, you know, think about Forrest and Forrest's family. Uh, There's nothing closer to Forrest than his family. And the last thing in the world he'd want to do would be to... uh, to leave a legacy that said he was a liar and a cheat. So, I, mm. number one, it just doesn't fit with his character. Number two is Forrest has plenty of money. I mean, uh, you know, uh, leaving leaving him uh, leaving a, fo- a fortune uh, of a million or two or three million dollars in in old things that he's collected over his lifetime uh, in a box uh, and hiding it. Boy, that's just the perfect Forrest Finn story. Uh, and and for him to 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 hide a, a small part of his fortune like that is no different than me taking out a hundred bucks and hiding it somewhere. Uh, right. I mean, uh, he, he has plenty of money. So if you look at it like a detective story, uh, he had the means, uh, you know, uh, and, he had, and the motive. he had the will. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He had the motive too. So uh, one of the things when we originally were talking and, and communicating, Dale, I, you are somewhat reluctant. You're like, are you sure you really want me to come on your podcast? You're like an adventure dude. And like, this is it. And here, let me explain to my listeners why, why this is such a great story and why I love it so much. When I was traveling in Africa, for example, I was trying to climb all the 54 African peaks. I'd managed to do 50 of the 54 African peaks, but Africans would constantly look at me like, why are you going up there? What, what, what is there? You know, are you seeking, like, are you hunting? Are you trapping animals? Are you looking for <laughs> treasure? And I was like, no, I'm just going up to the top of the mountain because I enjoy being in the mountains. And this was such a foreign concept for most Africans. They just couldn't, there's no reason to certainly go up the mountain, especially if it's a tough mountain, just for the thrill of it, you know, just for the enjoying being in nature. And so here we, and then I've walked across America four times. I walked across Spain a couple of times, and, but always just because I like being in nature. So finally here you have given me, not you, but I guess Forrest Fenn has given me a purpose <laughs> to not just go enjoy nature, but actually to go treasure hunting in the process and maybe, maybe uh, make some money. There was one little quick tale I'll tell you when I was in uh, the uh, Continental Divide Trail. So I was walking from Mexico to Canada and back along the Rocky Mountains. And along the way, it was somewhere in Wyoming, I think it was in the Wind River Range. 
I just ran across a $1 bill, just a relatively crisp $1 bill lying there on the trail. And then I filmed it as I was picking him up. And I said to the, to the camera, see, it pays to hike. <laughs> yeah 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 potentially i mean this is a treasure hunt there is a definitely a treasure at the end so it makes it worth your while if you can if you can figure out the puzzle of the poem and you can solve this and you can find forest's treasure right you know, and, uh, and and here's the other thing is that what i also love about this adventure so much and this treasure hunt so much is that it kind of reminds me a little bit about kilimanjaro in the sense that kilimanjaro is a very tough mountain to climb but it's also what some people call the everyman's peak or the everyman's challenge it's the, it's like everyman's everest if you will because an 80 year old can go up mount everest it is possible it's difficult but it's possible almost anybody can do this but it's a really tough challenge same thing with el camino de santiago de compostela it's in spain it's a long journey it's you know about 800 kilometers 600 miles or so and it's tough but a 90 oh maybe not 90 but anyway certainly an 80 year old could do it the el camino santiago so it's an every it's it's accessible to children it's accessible to old people and this trail, because one thing you did not mention, but Forrest Fenn, when he hid the treasure, he was nearly or around 80 years old. And so he emphasized people, don't go anywhere, an 80-year-old man carrying 20 pounds of stuff on him could not go. It is not in a really hard-to-get-to place, physically hard-to-get-to place. And, you know, don't expect to ford across a river up to your chest. You know, it don't expect to go on a vertical surface. Um, and people have died about, well, I think five people have died already looking for it. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's 42 pounds, by the way. Right, but he did two trips. That's true, yeah. Right. So, um, so, so therefore, you know, I figured that he, his first trip, I think he took just the stuff and then he took the chest or vice versa. Yeah. Yeah. First, he, he has said that first he, he took the chest and then second brought the goods up. Right. And the chest itself is a relic from the what 11th century or 10th century. Yeah. They think it was a, a, a bronze box. Well, we know it's a bronze box and he thinks that it was used to hold a book of days or a Bible. Okay. So maybe, um, Tell us a little bit about the funniest and most absurd, absurd uh, solutions to forest treasure. As have you, did you ever heard? Give me an example. Well, I think one that Forrest told us himself was one day he got a phone call from one of his neighbors, and, and the neighbor inquired why uh, there was somebody in in his front yard digging up his 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 front yard. And when he asked him about it, he told him that he was looking for Forrest's treasure, and. <laughs> And that's funny because Forrest explicitly said it's 12 miles north of Santa Fe. <laughs> yeah, 8.2 8. miles is, is the number. Oh, Actually, he said it okay. was 66,000 links. He was talking about surveying. And he okay. said uh, he, he was talking about chains and links. And he said it's, a, you know, the treasure itself is 66,000 links. And we had to do a little bit of math. I hate it when they throw that kind of stuff at you. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. I had to figure out that it comes out to 8.2 miles, but he didn't say that until, you know, the oh, second or third year of the, of the hunt. In addition to the poem, I mean, Forrest obviously is still alive. Forrest writes, Forrest has given us additional hints and additional clues about where the treasure is. He appeared on the Today Show uh, once a month for, I don't know, I don't remember, maybe five or six months. 
Yeah. And he would give a clue on the Today Show uh, you know, whenever he was on. And and he's also written, uh, uh, you know, in, in, in blogs. Uh, he's given us, and he wrote a second book. And there was a third book that was compiled uh, by good friends of his. So there's also a, f- a friend of his by the name of Doug Preston, who is an author, who has himself given a couple of clues. Folks think Doug Preston might very well know where it's at. Really? Um, wow. Yeah. Uh, uh, what, well, I don't even know what those clues are, but let's just give a real general clue to the audience. Basically, it is hidden somewhere in the Rocky Mountains, uh, roughly eight miles north of Santa Fe, all the way up to the Canadian border. So pretty, And it has to be between uh, how many thousand feet? 5,000? Uh, yeah, basically 5,000. Yeah, and, and 10,200. Yeah, 10,200 10, feet. So in that zone. So it's a pretty um, wide area. And there's a few other things, like uh, it has to have like um, sagebrush around it and has to have uh, pine trees around there um, and has to have mountains somewhere in the view. Um, yeah. But, I mean, this is all pretty vague. Um, so it's a pretty large area, and people have done everything they can to kind of narrow that down, obviously. But you're, you're looking well, at and- and the poem itself has nine distinct clues in it. Uh, right. We we argue constantly over exactly what those clues are. There's more than nine words in the poem, so right. <laughs> people, you know, everybody has a different interp. Not not everybody has a different, but there are several different interpretations of what the clues are in the poem and how they're packaged up in the poem. But we'll read, Forrest we'll is, read the we'll read the poem later on. Um, oh yeah, yeah. But because uh, it's fun to analyze it too. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you know, that's the thing about this treasure hunt is it's it's uh, you can you have to use your mind to figure it out. It It isn't just a matter of, uh, you know, having a, uh, the ability to go out into the mountains and get on your feet and go look for this. It's also a matter of spending time trying to decipher that poem, figure out what it is Forrest is talking about, where he is talking about and and then. After you've done that, after you've figured out the nine clues and where they take you, then go physically out and, and, and look for the chest itself. So it's both a mind game and a physical adventure. And a right. lot of people who look for it don't have the ability to go on their own. There are a lot of senior citizens who no longer uh, can participate in outdoor adventures anymore. But, you know, they apply their mind to this and try to figure it out. And then they, you know, get get one of their nephews or grandchildren excited about it and send them out with the directions on how to find it. It is a great thing. And, and thank God for Google Earth, because those who are, let's say, in a wheelchair, they can actually explore a much of the planet or certainly the Rocky Mountains with Google Earth. And that helps a lot to narrow down certain things as well, not to mention the Internet in general to figure out what uh, how the terrain looks, etc. It's super useful. Now, I had a question for you, Dale, about, you know, most treasure hunters have hold things tight to the vest when they're when they in the old pirate days and you knew where the treasure was. You're going to not share that information at all, any information. And yet you're kind of like the opposite. You have a website and you've done numerous interviews why are you an information giver as opposed to an information taker? 
Well, I just thought from the very beginning uh, that it would be a good idea to try and share, that we could sort of crowdsource the idea about about where this treasure is, that one person alone possibly couldn't figure this out. And that, But the more minds you have working on what these nine clues are and where they take you, the better chance we would have of finding it. And, I, I mean, I'm not so... I'm not so uh, such a, a damn miserly person that that uh, I figure if if uh, if I don't mind sharing, you know, a few million dollars uh, if if I were be, to be lucky enough to find it, uh, and I would do that uh, with uh, with someone if I were to find it, uh, and we crowdsourced where where it could be. So that's what the the idea behind the blog was. First of all, it was to give people information about forest. Uh, Forrest, I believe, uh, you know, uh, is a relatively complicated person, and 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 he has a sense of humor. And I thought that if folks could, if that could be revealed to folks, it would give them a better idea, and give all of us a better idea about what he meant when he wrote the poem, and what he was talking about. So that's why the website came up. To give people an idea of the scale of how hard it is to find this simple treasure, even though they have clues in a poem, that nearly half a million people have searched in vain for this treasure. Now, do you think it's going to be found in this century, this decade, or maybe this year or next? No, I think it could be found tomorrow. I I mean, (laughs) you know, uh, if it wasn't for this darn COVID-19 or whatever it is we have. um, Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I do. I, I think it could be found easily uh, within the next few hours, or it could take well past Forrest's lifetime. It could be there for a hundred years. Uh, I mean, there'd be no point in looking if it if it was for me at any rate. If it was pointless to find it, uh, you know, if it was impossible to find, and I don't believe it is impossible. I, I just believe it's hard. It's difficult, and and most of us can't quite get into Forrest's head. We can't quite figure out precisely what it is he's talking about. Uh, you, you already mentioned that it's in, it, I believe it. you mentioned that it's in one of four states, New Mexico, Colorado, Montana, or Wyoming. And that's a big area, especially, I mean, you would know better than anybody. I think you've walked that area. Uh, right. it's, it's a huge piece of geography, you can begin eliminating some of the possibilities, but I'll tell you, you know, there isn't much of Montana that's below 5,000 feet, so you're hard put to rule out great stretches of Montana or great stretches of Wyoming. Um, so, you know, this is going to... This is going to take, and before you get out there and start walking around, you've got to come up with a plan. We call it a solution to his poem. Uh, You've got to have some idea where you're going to look and why, and why this makes sense for Forrest and his, to to come up with this idea. Right. And you kind of need, I think, three qualities to find a treasure. One of the three, at least, or more. One is you have to have intelligence. Number two, you have to have persistence. And number three, you have to have luck. One or more of those things. I guess you could be dumb and you could not be that persistent. You could just be damn lucky. (laughs) And that's one way to find the treasure. Um, I mean, maybe a kid will stumble upon it who's just exploring in the woods. Um, Now, given all the people who have searched, it it is in some ways remarkable that nobody's found it. And yeah, it's kind of maddening that all these people have searched and not one person has stumbled upon it. Although a few people apparently have come within a couple hundred feet of it, according to Forrest Finn. So um, do you, what do you think is the percentage chance, Dale, that 
somebody who finds a treasure does not announce it in some fashion. So many people have already suggested, okay, the forest does exist. I'm not a skeptic, but somebody has already found it. And um, now, right now, Forrest Venn ha- himself has said, no, nobody has found it, but he will die someday. And, and someday soon, I think he's 88 years old. I mean, he's not got, he doesn't probably have another 10 years. I hope he lives another 20 years, but chances He'll are. He'll be 90 slim. this year. 90. Okay. Thank you. So, um, his, his, his time is, 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 is limited. And I'm just wondering, like after he dies and somebody finds it, how would we know somebody find it? So all those idiots are still looking for it and nobody's announced it. What do you think is that percent chance of that happening? Well, I think it's uh, not very good. Um, uh, sure, you know, it could happen. But remember here, you're, you're dealing with a guy who wrote a poem with direct directions to a treasure that nobody has been able to find yet for after 10 years of searching. And you, you said half a million people, and I think that's a very low figure. Uh, my goodness. Uh, uh, I, I can tell you why I think that's a low figure later. But but. Uh, you're dealing with a guy who's pretty smart. You know, this isn't, Forrest is not some country bumpkin who fell off a a wagon somewhere and decided to write a poem and and hide an envelope in a tree. This thing is, this thing is hidden uh, pretty well. And the poem is one heck of a great puzzle. Uh, I think that it's certainly possible that someone could find it and not tell anybody. But Forrest has said he believes that he took precautions against that happening, and I believe it. Remember, he's not a dummy. He's a smart guy. He wants uh, he wants the world to know that it's been found. So folks will stop looking, stop, say, spending money on gas and restaurants while they're out looking for a week, um, and go do something else that might be more fun and more rewarding. Right. And by the way, um, Forrest did say that one of the main reasons he just did this whole adventure hunt is to get people out of their behind their computers and get outside and explore nature. And, and that's exactly, what I think, the whole point of it. And so I think a lot of people who say, you know, I look for the treasure. I didn't find it, but I had a great time. I had a great time in nature. And to me, that's, you know, the, the treasure, if you find it, that's a bonus. But the whole point of this whole exercise is to get outside, do some hiking, do some camping. Uh, pull out your your pad, sleep outside under the stars, and enjoy the adventure. And uh, if you find the treasure, great. But you mo- probably won't find it. But at least you'll walk away with the treasure of having a great experience. Yeah, you know, and I'm the poster child for that. I've been out there looking uh, probably about eighty times now um, over nine years, and and uh, I obviously have never found it. But I enjoy I enjoy the search. I enjoy the adventure every time I go. I mean, it's something new to me. I usually end up visiting uh, some new place or take a new twist or turn to a place that I've uh, I've visited several times in the past. Uh, I enjoy, uh, you know. I've tasted Frito pie. I've, you know, I've slept underneath the stars. I woke up smelling sage in the morning, uh, build a fire, make some coffee. I I enjoy myself. I I really have a good time. And I've experienced all kinds of new places in in this country of ours. And and, and Forrest is directly to blame for for that. (laughs) That's great. Um, I imagine, you know, Forrest Fenn once said, the person who finally solves this treasure hunt is going to walk there with a certain amount of resolve and certainty. 
and he's going to walk with purpose and he's going to know exactly what he's doing or she's doing. And, and, but many times, I think at the same time, people do stumble onto treasures all the time in history or dead bodies by accident. Just people stumble onto random stuff. Now, what do you think is the percentage chance of maybe somebody stumbling upon it just by accident? Well, Forrest has actually ruled out the word stumble. He said nobody's going to stumble on this. So, you know, what does that mean? Well, you know, what does stumble mean? You know, if you want to look up in a dictionary, uh, I think you'll see that it has something to do with uh, with uh, walking. So maybe no one is going to accidentally run into it on the ground and stumble on it and trip on it. Um, maybe it's hidden in such a way that uh, you can't stumble on it because it's not on the ground. Maybe it's hidden off the ground a little somewhere. I mean, you get into word chases like that when you start playing with the poem and trying to figure out the possibilities for what Forrest has said uh, and tying it all together to come up with a solution. It's a lot of fun. Right. And he has said that it's he has not indicated whether or not it's buried. So it may be buried. It may not be buried. So that's another thing to think about. Although he did say at one time... Yeah, at one point somebody asked him uh, whether or not uh, a, a metal detector would help, and he said his answer to that was, "Well, if, <laughs> if you're, you're on close top of enough." It. Pardon? Oh, I thought he said when you're if you're on top of it, you'll, it will work. Oh, and the, yeah, well, he said if you're close enough, I suppose a metal detector would uh, work. I mean, after all, it is bronze, so right. yeah. I mean, right. it would be foolish to say no, it wouldn't work. But he didn't make it sound like it was a good idea to go looking. Like or like you needed it. He also said at one point that if if you're within, I think he said 15 feet of it. Uh, I don't know how anybody could be within 15 feet of it and 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 not not see it. Right. That's maddening. So, it's so maddening. It sounds so tantalizing. I'm like, come on. <laughs> Especially since some poor bastards have been within a couple hundred feet of it. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. And people, you know, people have, since Forrest has a legacy of being, he was a a fishing guide in in Yellowstone. He spent most of his youth, uh, summers in his youth in Yellowstone. His dad was a teacher. And so, you know, uh, they would spend all summer long up in yellow, up in the Yellowstone area. And Forrest at 14 was a, was a uh, fishing guide up there. He couldn't even drive a car, couldn't even drive his clients out out to the, where they were going to fish, but he was a fishing guide up there. And um, he, he mo- many of the stories in his book circulate around Yellowstone and the Yellowstone area in Gallatin County. Um, and, and so a lot of people think that that might be the area where it is. Right. What about when Forrest talked about having that resolve and knowing where the hell you're going and this is it, I imagine that a lot of times, Dale, you probably at times you're like you sat, you're from Washington State and you studied everything and you're like, okay, I've already done this. I've already searched 50 times. This time I'm very confident I'm going to the right place. And you get there and obviously you didn't find it. So what what was it? You know, where did you you think you went wrong or were you never that confident ever in your entire and all the solutions that you came up with? The first search I ever went on was the most confident I ever was. This was very early, you know. This was very early. And I believed at that time that it was in New Mexico for all the obvious reasons. I mean, Forrest lives there. He he said he hid it in an afternoon. And, you know, where could he go from his house in an afternoon? Well, he's not going to go up to northern Montana in, you know, in, in an afternoon. So, And I believe that. Since then, I've come to realize 
the finesse of Forrest's language, and I understand that what I originally thought is preposterous. But but at that time, I believed, okay, you know, it's going to be in New Mexico somewhere. So I began looking on Google Earth, as you pointed out, you know, and trying to tie the clues together. Okay, where, you know, where would warm water halt? Where would there be a home of brown? On and on and on. And and I, so I came up with a place. And I mean, it was obviously perfect. It fit all the clues. I knew I was right. I just needed to get out there and go get it. Well, you know, I, I, for me, from up in northern Washington down to Santa Fe, is a, takes 24 hours of driving because I refuse to drive on a freeway. So it takes me 24 <laughs> hours of, of of nonstop driving to get okay, down. You got to tell us. You got to tell us why you refuse to take a freeway. That's a very interesting statement. Oh, oh, I, uh, I don't like freeways because I can't see anything except gas okay. stations along the side of it. Yeah. <laughs> okay, it's okay, no fun. It. I can't yeah. just decide to pull over. <laughs> right, right. And it's go, like somebody who said about the interstate uh, in the United States. He says now you can now with the interstate highway you can go from one end of America to the other end of America without seeing a thing. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I believe it. <laughs> so I like taking the old dirt roads, the old side roads. I, I'll take the blue highways any day, you know, on on the maps. I I, I just find that part of the part of the fun experience is get out there and see America, uh, see what we're made of, and 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 visit folks, and go to mom and pop restaurants and eat homemade pie. I love that, you know. I, God, there's nothing like a good road trip to to have a small adventure with. But anyway, I digress. Uh, <laughs> uh, so I was sure it was in New Mexico, and uh, I decided to to head out there. And for 24 hours of driving, you know, my mind is consumed with what I'm going to do if I find. At that time, we believed it was worth about a million bucks. So I, I'm cons- I'm consumed with what I'm going to. What could I possibly do with a million dollars? You know, I mean, I'm 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 thinking. I, I have a van that I've. I've that I've, I drive. My van's name is Esmeralda. Okay. And and so uh, I'm thinking about replacing Esmeralda, but I don't want to think about that too loud because after all, I'm in Esmeralda, and the last thing I want her to do <laughs> is start giving me trouble just because, you know, she's jealous. She's, that's right. You know. So <laughs> I I think a little bit about that, and I think about what else I could do, and uh, with you know, with a million bucks, and how it could you know really change a person's life, and. I mean, I'm just excited as hell. I think I'm going to go down. It, it, I'm, it's like I'm walking in to the bank to, you know, to, with a mask and a gun. And I'm going to walk out with a million dollars. I mean, I'm very excited about this. Wow. And, and uh, I, knew, I knew I was right. And I knew I was right right up until uh, the moment <laughs> until when you... I, got, I got out of Esmeralda <laughs> and started walking around in my perceived place. And... Uh, uh, and I realized that this was stupid, you know, that this is absolutely the worst. This doesn't this isn't going to be it. And and then my my world fell apart. But that was when I was most excited. After that, I've always been very contained about it. It was kind of a letdown not to find it at that time. Excuse me. Now, now given I mean, you're no dummy. I mean, Dale, you've been searching. I mean, obviously, you're dumb a little bit because you haven't found it. <laughs> but, but you're but you're no dummy in the sense that. You know, you're probably, I think, one of the people that got within 200 feet of the treasure because Forrest Fenn said that at least, what, I, th- I don't know, is it a couple of people have been within 200 feet? Is that right? Mm-hmm. Yes, he said that. And he also said once that uh, folks have been within 500 feet of it. Right. Many people have been within 500 feet and a couple of people or a small group or like uh, has been within 200 feet of it. And I'm just wondering, maybe... 
does it like torture you at night to think that maybe I was one of those 200 people, one of those people got within 200 feet? I wouldn't say it tortures me, but I've thought about it and I've considered it. The, the timing would have been right for me. I mean, I was involved in the chase. I was communicating with Forrest. It's possible uh, that, that I, I was one of the 200 footers. But, you know, when you really begin thinking about that, so what? By that time, I had been back and forth, crisscrossed all four states. I, I had probably had seven or 8,000 miles on the uh, on Esmeralda while I was looking. I had probably another 60 or 70 miles in walking over, you know, in that during that period of time. So he says someone has been within 200 feet of it. And by the way, he didn't say that they necessarily, all of them walked. So I'm thinking to myself, well, hell, I could have driven by it or I mm. could have, you know, uh, how do I begin to formulate where I could have where I could have gone that close to it. I've looked in a lot of great places by that time. The only thing, the only information it would give me if I knew I was one of the two hundred footers is not to explore any place new. Right. Well, that's big though. I mean, that's huge because I imagine when you're searching, oftentimes when you feel like you've covered a place sufficiently, you kind of cross it off your list and say, I'm never going back there again. Just like that first solution that you came with in New Mexico, your very first thing, you're like, this is completely wrong. This makes no sense. Once you got there on boots on the ground. Um, so you probably crossed it off the list and you've never been back there since. But of course, uh, if one of those places that you crossed off is one of those 200 places where you're within 200 feet. You're, you're up shit Creek. I mean, you're, you're that's in a big, right. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's, so, that's tough. Yeah. So, but I've never been confident that I was one of the 200 footers. So I've, I've never let it, never let it get to me. Um, th there's lots of little things like that in the chase that I think are very distracting uh, and I don't think Forrest does it on purpose to distract people. I just think people, when you don't find something you're looking for, you know, uh, you get distracted by other possibilities, crazy things. Think about all the dumb places you've looked for your keys <laughs> when you couldn't find them. You know, uh, oh, totally. <laughs> yeah, you know, and of course they didn't turn out I, to be I, I'm there. I'm sure they... I put it in the freezer. I'm sure I put it in the freezer. <laughs> yeah, you know, you 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 tend to eliminate places, and all of a sudden you still haven't found them, and so you begin, you know, looking in obscure places, and then it turns out to have been in that first place you looked, or it, you know, fell out of your pocket and it's in the couch. You know, right. it, it's always it's always a simple answer. You just can't. You just get distracted by stuff, and right. and that's what happens in this in this chase too. People get distracted by, who cares if you've been within two hundred feet of it or not? That's a distraction. That somebody has been within two hundred feet. The point is, come up with a good solution and go get it. Not, gee, I wonder who's been within two hundred feet of it. Right. So, who do you think is it the type of person, or maybe the group of persons, who will actually find this treasure, or do you just think it's unknowable and that's just like forget it? Like, is it there's a type of person that you can imagine, or you have no really clue? I, I don't actually have a clue. I mean, uh, okay. So, uh, I think the person who's going to find it is me. So, I guess you'd just look like me. <laughs> 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 but do you think people like you? Is there is there 
who has an advantage in or disadvantage, you know, look at the trade-off between somebody like you, who's a veteran at this search, you've been at it forever, uh, not forever, but for 10 years and versus a newbie, let's say people who are listening to this on the podcast or myself, who I've never looked once, um, you come in there with a fresh mind versus somebody uh, who might be overthinking the riddle. Well, I, I think that that's a good point. And, and, and if uh, someone pays attention to the forest, to, I'm sorry, to the forums and the blogs a little bit before they go out there, they'll see a lot of solutions that people have tried. That's one of the one of the unique features of, of our blog is that uh, you, you can read uh, and, and folks go out and they on a, on a solution and they record it with video or with a camera. And they come back and they write about it. And you can read about these stories, where people have looked and why, what their solutions were. And and you can see what makes sense and what doesn't make sense. It's both gaining information about where people have looked and been unsuccessful, but it's also, it's another diversion. Sometimes you pick up ideas that aren't necessarily good ideas because that person did it. And in your head, that seems like a good idea. And you don't know until you've been out there that it's not a good idea, um, you know. Uh, so that I, I think that there are lots of lots of really really smart people who can come up with interesting, diverse, and meaningful solutions to to the poem. But they, when you get out there, they don't they don't work with how they worked in your mind. And on the same token, I think there's lots of folks who are adventurers who spend all of their time up in the mountains anyway. I mean, they love the mountains. They love being up there with the, with the animals and the views and the smells and the clean air. And, and, and they look forward to that. And they have lots of experience at it. And they're able to travel comfortably in the outdoors uh, for periods of time. And so they, you know, you'd think they might be right up there with, uh, with being able to find the treasure, too. But if you can't come up with a good solution, you're nowhere. You're absolutely nowhere. Right. You have to get you have to get somewhere in the ballpark to even have a chance. I think that's absolutely true. Um, yeah. Not only do you have to come up with a good solution, it has to be a, a workable solution once you get out there. Lots of people, I think, come up with fan- fantastical solutions. I mean, it's a fun thing to think about. Who in their mind, as a kid, you know, didn't play pirates, didn't wish, that, didn't invent treasures, and maybe hide something from their friends and make a treasure hunt out of it uh, and, 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 and spend all day looking, have them spend all day looking for something you hid. Uh, you know, it's a fun thing to do. Who, who, who as a kid didn't read stories about pirates and hidden treasure. Uh, who, who among us has not, you know, not seen an Indiana Jones movie? I mean, uh, you know, treasure hunting is fun. It, it's oh, part yeah. of the American psyche, and yeah. and and so it, it seems like we've all watched those movies. It seems like it's 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 easy. You follow the directions. You know, some I've I've heard this equated to like baking a pie. All you have to do is. Look in the poem, follow the directions, and walk right to it. Right. Wrong. <laughs> <laughs> it is that simple on some level once you actually know the solution. <laughs> Forrest has been doling out little by little these teeny little hints and clues along the way for the last 10 years. If he 
were like terminally ill, he's just sitting there on his deathbed. Do you think he'll kick out one last juicy clue? He has said that he doesn't have a, he has mixed feelings about whether he wants the treasure to be found while he's alive or after he's dead. You know, he says, you know, he he didn't take a strong position on that. Uh, Do you think he'll, he'll, he'll belt out a last juicy one before he goes? Or do you think this is pretty much, he's, (laughs) he's, he's given a bunch of juicy clues up until now and that's about it. Well, first of all, I think that's part of his marketing campaign here. Remember, his whole purpose in doing this is to get folks outdoors. Right. Uh, you know, he wants to get kids away from video games. He wants to get them off the couch. He wants them outside. And, and he wants that because uh, that's how he lived as a kid. And he, he thinks that that was uh, just the, the most fun he's ever had in his life. And he wants people to rehab that fun over and over and over again. And, and so that's part of why he created this this whole thing. And, and and so his marketing strategy has always been, you know, let's see how we can get kids outdoors. Let's see how we can get them call, out there smelling the sunshine, he calls it. And, right. and I think that this, well, you know, I don't know whether I want people to find the chest or not. I think Forrest doesn't really care one way or the other uh, whether it's found tomorrow or it's found a thousand years from now. But remember, Forrest has looked for and traded in objects that were created two, three, four, five hundred years ago. I mean, he has gone on plenty of treasure hunts in his life looking for collectible items um, that that could that he could have wasn't necessarily interested in selling them. He just wanted to hold them. And I've, I've seen him hold pottery that's 300 years old or even older, and, and he'll hold it up. And you can tell by the look in his eyes that he really admires this. And he said, do you think the person that made this ever thought about someone holding it in their hands 300 years from when they were when it was made and wondering who made this and wondering how long it took them and wondering how good a maker of these kinds of pots they were you know he he, he always is attracted to the people idea it's more than just the object for him and so i don't think that forest i think that forest would take great pleasure personally, in having the the treasure not found for a thousand years uh, so that someday when somebody does find his treasure, they'll hold up, up and they'll say, who did this? Who was this crazy person that did this? Why did they do that? Uh, what were they thinking? Uh, and they'll read his biography that's also enclosed in there, and they'll say, this Forrest Fenn guy, they'll be saying his name, Forrest Fenn, Forrest Fenn, he'll be in the newspapers or whatever media we have at that time. Uh, People will be speaking his name again and saying, so I think, you know, I think that there's a little bit of a legacy involved in this for Forrest. But and so so I think I think the idea that a thousand years from now, people are going to be saying his name interests him. But I also think that it would be bad marketing to say that because then people wouldn't bother looking and say, oh, this guy has no intent. Nobody's going to find this thing for a thousand years. So why should I go looking for it? That's crazy. (laughs) Right. Absolutely. So he's got to leave that end open. You know, he's got to say certainly possible to find this thing tomorrow. Uh, and 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 he, you know he has said himself it, it's not it's it's difficult to find but it's not impossible obviously so yeah 
yeah. it has to it has to be found one day for sure uh we, we will turn it over um by the way um i was trying to think in my limited research in, of this whole thing i came to the following conclusion 60 percent chance that it's in or near yellowstone national park 30 percent chance that it's in new mexico and by the way, it's just northern New Mexico, north of Santa Fe. So uh, it's not the entire state of New Mexico. And 10% chance that it's elsewhere, either Colorado or somewhere far in Montana, et cetera. So my question to you is, what do you think about those estimates or more importantly, and, or, or different question is, has there ever been a poll that tests searchers, people who are looking for this treasure and say, where do most people think it is? Just out of curiosity. There was some research done by... Uh, uh, a guy who teaches sociology, I think, at uh, the University of South Dakota. Boy, I'm not going to get any of this right. Um, I'm sorry <laughs> I didn't prepare for that question. Um, and it was recent. I'll, I'll, I'll send, well, I don't know if it'll do you any good or not, but I'll, I'll send you the link to that. It's on my blog. And he, uh, he did a questionnaire and had searchers come and fill it out. He came up with a I don't know how accurate, you know, his results are, but this is what this guy does for a living outside of teach this subject. And he came up with some pretty terribly interesting uh, statistics and data about who searchers are, where they go to search, and why. And and uh, I think you might find that interesting. Maybe you'll be able to pull something out of it. Right. No, I would love to see that. Again, it's kind of like it's a double-edged sword. On the one hand, it might spur you to have new ideas that maybe you didn't think about. But on the other hand, it can send you down a, a wild goose chase, which is completely fruitless and distract you from maybe you were thinking clearly ahead of time. It's a real mind game. No, it is. It, you know, and, and the searchers call those rabbit holes. And, right. Uh, you know, folks, folks just get so focused on something that it doesn't make any difference whether it's f feasible or not. It just makes a difference whether you can make it feasible in your head. And and you follow those uh, crazy ideas uh, until you get so frustrated that you either quit <laughs> and, and decide that everybody, including Forrest, is, uh, is crazy, or, you know, you, you, the lightning bolt hits you and you realize that you're in a rabbit hole here. Now, you've talked with for us either through email or face-to-face -face or in a variety of mediums a variety of times and obviously you've not gotten very good inside information from him because you haven't <laughs> found the treasure yet <laughs> so or 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 we could go back and rule out number you know number one on your list and that is i'm just not very intelligent <laughs> exactly there you go so but the point is is that one day though dale you might find the treasure and do you ever worry about let's say if you're the guy who finds the treasure that people will say, aha, I knew it all along. You were, Forrest Fenn told you and gave you insider information and you didn't share it with the rest of us. Me, 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 me. Do you ever uh, worry about that? Uh, I don't worry about it, but others do. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, I get, I get, I get accused of that uh, on a semi-regular basis, usually twice a year or so it'll come up. It'll be a big lightning bolt in somebody's head and they'll say, this Neitzel, man, he knows Forrest. He's a friend with Forrest. He knows stuff that we don't know. And he's not giving any, uh, he's not sharing that information. And of course, they, I, I not only get, get 
get crap for that, but Forrest gets crap for that too. You share stuff with Dale. How come you don't share stuff with it? In in fact, the truth is, I'm very careful around Forrest. We don't talk about the treasure chest. If I did that, I couldn't be Forrest's friend. I mean, if I was just another searcher out there bantering him about uh, giving me some clues and giving me some hints, I'd just be like all the other thousands of people who send him email or knock on his door or break over, uh, you know, break into his yard. Uh, you know, trying to trying to get him to give us some give him give them some information, and I I I decided the very first time I I uh, talked with Forrest that I was not going to be that way. I well, there were plenty of other things I was curious about about Forrest, and 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 I would spend my time on those things. And anyway, I th- I think those things are important. I think that they will eventually help us all uh, find the chest. The more we discover about Forrest. The more we know about how he thinks, the more we know about how he puts together a puzzle and a poem, the more likely we are to be able to crack this thing. You said yourself that the the most confident you ever were when you were treasure finding was the first time. And ever since then, it's been downhill. <laughs> so my question <laughs> to you is, like, I imagine. Now, Forrest said, you know, when people go out and look for it, the person who finds it will go with purpose, resolve, and know exactly what he or, he or she is doing. And you've kind of indicated that you almost never feel that, that way anymore, at least not that certain anymore. So I imagine if you actually stumble upon it and you actually, well, you don't stumble upon it, but whatever, you find it. What would you do? You know, what would you do if you found the treasure? Um, not just the moment there, but thereafter. Like, would you sell it? Would you, uh, you know, announce it immediately? Would you wait? You know, I think Forrest said that people should wait a month before they tell anybody. What, what would you do? Well, I've often considered that because it, it is a, a common discussion on the blogs and, and forums is, you know, how, how would you handle this? And so I thought about it a little bit. And, and for me, it's it's really pretty simple. Uh, if I were to find the chest, the first thing I would do is pass out. <laughs> After I woke up, I would then take the chest and throw it in Esmeralda. And Esmeralda, throw a blanket over it, and Esmeralda and I would drive quickly but safely down to Santa Fe. I would, you know, announce to Forrest that I was coming and that I had the treasure chest. Hold on, hold on. When you drive down quickly to Santa Fe, would you actually take a freeway then? I might in that case. I might. (laughs) (laughs) And, 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 and I would, you know, I would want Forrest to, to go, I would want to go over every item that's in that chest with Forrest. I'd want to know the provenance on all of the items. Where did this come from? Where did you get it? What is it? (laughs) Uh, Why did you decide to put it in the chest? Uh, That's what I would get. And beyond that, you know, what I would do with those items, I have no idea, but I would take some guidance from Forrest. Now, this is all assuming that Forrest, of course, is still alive uh, when I find it. Uh, right. But, you know, I... I what if he's not? I, yeah, well, I, I haven't gone that in that direction because, uh, you know, I mean, I'm going to find this thing tomorrow, So, and Forrest is still around. So. <laughs> what about... The, so the key, what most people think is the first clue of the poem is when it says, Begin where warm waters halt. Now, that, Forrest has indicated, is the most important clue of the entire poem because that narrows, wherever you start, is kind of narrows down dramatically 
your search area because it's not that far, apparently, from where the warm waters halt. So in that sense, it is the most. And he's also said, Forrest has said, that the clues get progressively easier and easier as you go through the clues. So clearly, the first clue, if that is where the warm waters halt, is the hardest clue to solve. Now, you've probably heard every single hypothesis in the book of where that, what that could mean, where that could be. Um, is there anyone that sounds plausible to you, ones that you gravitate to, or have you just really been all over the map? Oh, sure. You know, one of the early ones uh, that I thought was really good until Forrest gave us further information that it was, it was not the possibility. Remember, he has told us, we know for sure, that this line in the poem... Uh, Begin it where warm waters halt, which is in the, the first line of the second stanza of the poem. There's a, this is the fifth line of the poem. And Forrest has told us that that is the first clue. Okay, great. So begin it where warm waters halt. What does and that he also, mean? Because, and he also said that it's not a dam. Right, and, and that's what I was going to talk about. I always thought, I agreed with, with that damn theory. When you say that damn theory, you mean that, that terrible theory or that damn damn? <laughs> no, I mean that damn damn. <laughs> uh, it, it turned out to be a damn theory in both senses, but, but in the beginning it was the theory about dams. And so the theory about dams is that uh, the outtake to a dam is usually low on a dam. And if anybody who's ever gone swimming in a lake knows that the water on the surface is warmer than the water down below because the warm water uh, sits on top and is heated by the, by the sun. And the warmest water is right at the top. And the further down you go, the, the colder it gets. Uh, so at the outtake of a dam, which is relatively low on the dam, uh, the water is the coldest. And the dam itself is stopping the warm water. So I always thought this was a pretty good theory. Until I began thinking about this, why would Forrest want to hide his treasure around a dam? And then one day, Forrest said, you know, you have to remember, this is the place Forrest wanted, wanted to end his life. Right. And, and he still wants Forrest to be buried there, right? Doesn't he want his either ashes or bones to be buried there, ideally? No, he's he's claimed he'll never get back there. And I don't know whether he'll want his ashes or bones put there. But oh, logically really? it doesn't okay. it doesn't make any sense because to do that would be giving away the place and since the no, treasure but, is hidden there. No, no, no. No, I mean that after the treasure finder finds it and therefore announces to the world where that secret place is that No, I now, suppose that could be. I haven't heard like that. A Okay. Really? Okay. Wow. I thought that he would want like a small little gravestone in that spot. I thought that's where he wanted to be buried ultimately after the treasure is found. Mm, I don't. I don't know that. And let's just say it's it's hidden in Yellowstone National Park. I think he he and his family, no matter how much money they have, would have a hard time getting anybody to let them bury him there. Right. But they could get his ashes spread there. I, th I believe. Yeah, I but they're not going to put up a monument. No, of course not. No, but he could have his yeah. ashes spread there. I mean, in other words, yeah. you should ask him that next time you talk to him and just say, hey, do you want your ashes mm -hmm. to be spread wherever it is? Because you can spread ashes anywhere, I think. But but once again, I think that's a distraction. How's that going to help me find the chest? Oh, true. No, no. It's more out of just curiosity for, for him and just w where he would like to have his ashes yeah. 
remains. But be. but any any yeah. But anyway, I I fell for that damn theory. But and there were a lot of people who fell for it. Ed Forrest finally announced, as you pointed out, that the poem "Begin It Where Warm Waters Halt" has nothing to do with a dam. What I think now I've written in the blogs about my most my most reoccurring uh, location for where to begin is. Number one is up in Yellowstone National Park. There's a place there where, as you know, hot springs pour into creeks and streams in Yellowstone. There's a lot of hot water. There's probably very few places on Earth where there is such a concentration of thermal events. Right. And there's just a tremendous amount of hot water that comes up to the surface uh, out there in Yellowstone. I think there's only two places on Earth that are exposed supervolcanoes, and that's Kamchatka and Yellowstone. Yeah, okay. Well, I hope it's not in Kamchatka because I haven't looked there. (laughs) Um, (laughs) That's Russia for those who don't know. A good possibility is that uh, there's a geographical place where two rivers very warm rivers come together in Yellowstone and they form a brand new river. So it's where the Gibbon and uh, the Firehole River meet. And this place is called Madison Junction. Mm -hmm. And it is the beginning of the Madison River. It's where the Madison River starts. So I think that, remember that, that line again, begin it where warm waters halt. That's plural, waters. So we're not talking about a thing that stops. We're talking about maybe more than one thing. So two rivers stopping in one place and two warm rivers absolutely halting. They stop. They they end right there. And they're warm rivers. So warm that fish can't generally stay in them in the summer. And a brand new river starts, the Madison. So begin it, the Madison River, where warm waters, the gibbon and the fire hole, halt. To me, that just makes a lot of sense. Now, many people think, I mean, I think that is the most popular solution for where the warm waters halt because everybody talks about Madison Junction. Am I right? I don't know. If, no, I would say that that is not the most popular, but oh, really? I think it's okay. up, it's up there. Yeah. Okay. Another another popular, and and let me tell you why. One of the things Forrest has said is uh, he spent a lot of time there. A lot of the, the trappers that he admires from the 19th century, like dicked around in the Madison River, and so it's absolutely. a very historic place. Absolutely, it, it, it's also well. No. Yes, it's a, it's a very important place to forest. It's a very important place in history, and it fits. It fits really well. At the same time, it's been the most combed over place on, probably one of the most combed over places around, and every little stone has been turned. It seems that way. Like, if there's any place in the whole Rocky Mountains that people have really scoured to death, it's around Madison Junction. That's my uh, assessment. But again, you, you're suggesting that no, not really, not not the most popular place of all. No, I don't think it is at all. Um, okay. But you're right in that there's a number of people that go there. And 
And uh, that's because when you start coming up with, with, uh, with ideas and solutions, you know, this one seems to fit pretty well. It does. I, I agree with you. But for, Forrest has also, in some ways, ruled it out. Have you read Journal of a Trapper, the book that he mentioned? Oh, yeah. In his, okay. Oh, God. I have an entire library of books here that I've been, that I've been reading for nine years. How about have, Flywater? Uh, oh, yes. I have both okay. copies of Flywater. Okay, uh, so I mentioned these two because he's, those are two books that he mentions in his book, The Thrill of the Chase. And especially, I'm most interested in Flywater because in he describes that Flywater, it's kind of a coffee table picture book, um, a lot of beautiful photos of, the, of Wyoming and, and, and nice fishing spots, that he, he kind of refers to his secret watering hole, his secret place that he likes to fish in. And he, he talks about how some of the greatest places that he used to fish in as a child are now kind of, quote unquote, overrun by all sorts of people. But it kind of made me think that, hmm, there's a good chance that maybe his favorite spot is not pictured necessarily in that Flywater book, but maybe off of, you know, nearby or just a, a junction off of it or something like that. It's it's within a couple of miles of 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 his secret hiding spot. So have you when you've looked through those books, do you think it's worthwhile flipping through it? Obviously, it hasn't helped you solve it <laughs> up until this point, but maybe there is some clues there. Um. I I read them for background information. I don't look at at them for clues. Um, there's there's too many references to too many books. Forrest has known too many people. I, I I if I'm when I'm looking for clues, I look directly in the book, and and not in the outside external books. You're talking but about the thrill that, of the chase. Yeah. Well, and and uh, uh, too far, too to, far walk. to walk. Yeah. Okay. I mean, For those who don't know, Too Far the Walk is his his book that he followed. He's he's written several books, but Too Far the Walk followed, came up afterwards. I didn't realize that. There, I thought I never. I thought he said there are no clues in Too Far to Walk, or maybe I misunderstood. No, actually, he said when somebody asked him if there were any clues, he dodged the question. He said uh, the map is in uh, Too Far to Walk, so yes, there's a clue, or he didn't say a clue. Yes, there's clues. So. We we don't know whether or not there are other clues beside the map, but you know both books. You forced. How can you write about your life and and not provide, if not a clue, some hints? Right. Forrest is very clear that there are uh, there are hints and there are clues. The clues will take you to the to the place where the treasure is. The hints will help you figure out the clues. They won't take right. you to the treasure, but they'll help you figure out the clues. Or so at least narrow me, down the clues, narrow down the yeah. possibilities. And so it, to me, it seems like it's more important at this point, if you if you haven't come up with a solution, to look for the hints than it is to look for the clues. It's more important to come up with the hints about what what what's a hint and what isn't. And we're talking about books with, I don't know, what, 60,000 words in them, two of them. I mean... Geez, you know, you, you, if you're crazy enough, you can come up with a, a hint in, in every line in the book. Uh, you, you've got you've to be able to think again like Forrest and, and like the author of those books and imagine what the hints are. The broad, are the hints broad like you've pointed out? I mean, he spent much of his life uh, as a child enjoying the area around uh, Yellowstone National Park. So does that mean that Yellowstone National Park 
is a is a potential hint because he talks so much about it in his book, or because he has mentioned uh, such and such a restaurant, or working as a paper boy, or pumping gas at such and such a place, is that the hint? Is the hint very specific? You know, uh, and people go back and forth about this all the time. If you want to, you can find thousands of hints in those two books. Sure. Yeah, it, it, it yeah. just depends upon how you determine what a hint is. Um, yeah. Let me go back. I, I finally figured out what it was I was trying to say. So the first line, begin it where warm waters halt. Forrest has said there are many places in this country where warm waters halt. And most of them are north of Santa Fe. That pretty much rules out Madison Junction because as far as I know, that's the only place where two rivers end and a brand new one starts. I don't believe there are many places in this country where that happens. Mm-hmm. So you get you get into things like that. Um, yeah. Another another very popular place to begin. So, you know, take that little piece of information. There are many places where warm waters halt, and most of them are north of Santa Fe. Well, what, what could that be? Well, it could be a hot spring. Obviously. Um, there are thousands and thousands of hot springs right. uh, in, in the West, and most of them are north of Santa Fe. Uh, could it be a hot spring? Well, okay, so let's say it is a hot spring. Which hot spring? If there are thousands and thousands of them, which one do I begin at? I can't just choose one and start there. Uh, How do I eliminate 999,000 hot springs and choose one to start at? Is there information in the book which would help me with that? Well, it turns out that there isn't any real information in the first book but in the second book, there is a little bit of information about what hot spring he may be talking about. Oh, really? And if it if it was a, if it was a hot spring, um, on the other hand, you could say, well, you know, he talks so much about Yellowstone. I believe that Yellowstone, that this hot spring is in or around Yellowstone. What's the most famous hot spring in Yellowstone? Old Faithful. Oh, Old Faithful. Yeah, sure. So a lot of people think that maybe the place to begin is Old Faithful. Other people have other ideas. But in his second book and also on his website, you don't have to buy a book to get this story. You can just look on his website. Uh, He he wrote a story about Ojo Caliente, which is a hot spring in Yellowstone. Mexico. Oh, I th- yeah. oh, oh, no, Cali- no, oh. you're right. It is also in, there is a, a hot spring called Ojo Caliente in New Mexico, and I've gone down that rabbit hole before. <laughs> but he he's talked about Ojo Caliente in, in Yellowstone, and he used to ride his bike about 13 or 14 miles, I think it is, from West Yellowstone, where his family eventually built cabins and ran a, a small uh, little cabin place called Fenhaven uh, there, but they didn't have any plumbing in their cabins in the 1930s and 40s. So to get a hot bath, Forrest had to do one of two things. He either had to take a bath in a big hot pan uh, in front of his whole family, and he didn't particularly care for that, 
or he could get on his bike and ride into Yellowstone National Park where he would go to Ojo Caliente and right there in the Firehole River where Ojo Caliente uh, drains into the Firehole. He could go between the warm water and the cold water and find a really good place to sit there and take a bath. And he said it never took soap in there, but, you know, you rinse off and you'd feel good and wash your hair and then bicycle ride home again, 14 miles to get back to West Yellowstone. So he's talked about this. So that's a possibility. And I've always thought that was a good possibility, too. Yeah, it sounds quite reasonable. But, but, you know, we don't know anything for sure. And he's also told us that the shortcoming of, of all of this, uh, looking in the books for clues, for hints to the clues, is that he has also said that everything you need to find the chest is in the poem. You know? Yeah. Every, everything you need is in the poem. Well, so if, if it's Ojo Caliente, where in the poem does it point me to that? It doesn't. Where? Yeah. Oh, it might. It might. Mm. What's your interpretation for the first stanza of the poem? I believe you, uh, you, you, you had an idea for, uh, as I have gone alone in there and with my treasures bold, I can keep my secret where and hint of riches new and old. Do you remember what you were thinking about that? Yeah. My interpretation is I went alone to my hiding place, making very little effort to hide my treasures since nobody was around. That's why he says, with my treasures bold. So it's mm-hmm. obviously not a very touristic place. It's not right next to Yellow, uh, what's it called, uh, Old Faithful or something like that because he couldn't walk with a t- bunch of treasure in his hand. So it's got to be someplace secluded. And then he says, and then he says, and a hint of tr- riches new and old. I figured that it's got to be a place that has some sort of historical significance, maybe an old trade route, a mining operation that was nearby or something like that. But that's that's my first stanza of the poem right there. But but as you said, the first clue is actually in the second stanza, which is begin it where warm, warm, where warm waters halt. And as far as that's concerned, I have no idea that that's there's a million possibilities for that first clue. And remember, the first clue isn't until the second stanza. Right. He's also told us that the clues in the poem are in consecutive order. They're they're in the order. First clue is first in the poem. The second clue is second. Third clue is third in the poem. Okay. So we don't. They're not jumbled up. We know that right. they come to us in the order that we need to follow them. Right. So, given that, there's a whole stanza in the beginning that doesn't have a clue in it. Right. Uh, the other. All nine clues have to be after the first stanza. So what's the purpose of that first stanza? If it doesn't have any clues in it, why did he write it? What's it about? Well, here's my my theory is most people think that the first stanza is giving a little bit of background about uh, the place where he hid the treasure. It's just setting, you know, giving... It's like. Yeah, it's like uh, the uh, introduction to a book. It just gives us a little perspective about what the book's going to be about. Yeah, that's kind of what I thought, but then you're saying it may not be. It may not be, for instance. It may be be something more. Yeah. So if I need to know which hot spring he's talking about, it would be logical that he would be describing it in the first stanza. Mm Mm-hmm. He describes the first stanza, and then he tells us to begin there. He describes the place to begin in the first stanza, and then he tells us to begin there. 
So where has Forrest gone alone? One of the places he's gone alone is to take a bath. Mm-hmm. As I have gone alone in there, let's think about Ojo Caliente for a second, this spring where he used to go to take a bath. And with my treasures bold, he may be talking about being naked. Right, right. I can keep my secret where, and hint of riches new and old. Those first two lines could very well be describing his bathing experience when he was a kid. Right. It could also, and, there was also that time in, described in his book when he goes with his brother, I believe, up in the mountains and they got lost for a couple of days. And uh, that's another place where he, uh, you could say that he went alone. Well, I mean, he didn't go completely alone. So your your solution about him bathing alone is closer to i think is a better solution than going up in, oh uh, in yeah that was with, with donnie that was one of his lewis and clark adventures they yes. they were young guys and they were, they they got some horses and they decided to go up uh red creek canyon or red canyon i guess and uh, right. they got lost up there and, and it's a wonderful story it's a wonderful story about two kids having an adventure right uh, right and, and 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 you know it makes you want to Get out in the mountains and go have your own adventure. And that's the whole purpose. And it could be that in that journey, maybe he found his secret spot there. And maybe he said, wow, this is the coolest place on earth. And this is great. And then over the years, he would go back there occasionally to just check it out. And he said, wow, there's still nobody here. It's still not that discovered. And and, and, uh, so it has some sort of historical significance with him. But continue, you were saying that, okay, so the first paragraph, uh, stanza, should I say, is potentially setting yourself up as maybe that Ojo Caliente place as where he bathed once. And that could be setting the stage for saying, okay, now that you're there, begin it there. Yeah, I, I think I think that's a possibility. And But in order to fall into that idea, you have to know something about Forrest. For one thing, who would, you know, would he write that first stanza about being naked and talk about, you know, his privates? He might, uh, yeah. Yeah, he would if he had a sense of humor. Yeah, and he certainly does. He's got a mischievousness to him. Absolutely he does. And and I think it's important to remember those things as you go through the poem and look at it with a third eye. Don't take everything as obvious. Even though it's not supposed to be terribly difficult, uh, he's told us before that, you know, you don't need to apply codes to the poem. Right. Uh, There's no cryptography and all sorts of yeah, random stuff. It's, right, it's fairly you know, literal. That, it's it's not that's so not obscure. Gonna, it's a tempting way to look at the poem, but it's not going to get you anywhere right. with it. And and so we, I don't have to be a code breaker in order to figure this poem out. Uh, it's straightforward, he said. Right. So Almost a child could solve it effectively. That, absolutely. And that's what he wants. And, and hmm. yeah, you know, uh, so... Uh, you know, it's just another way to interpret it. And and I think that's what you have to do as you go through the poem. It's straightforward, but you have to be inside Forrest's head when you're reading it. And I'm not necessarily, believe me, I'm far from saying that the first stanza is absolutely about Forrest taking a, a bath at Ojo Caliente. I, I'm just saying it's another kind of an interpretation, and it's an example of what you may have to do, how you have to look at the poem in order to interpret it 
you know, the way Forrest wrote it. And that's right. what we're doing here. We're not after Dale's interpretation. We're after Forrest's interpretation. We're all trying to think like Forrest as we right. read the poem. And so right. the more you know about Forrest, the better off you're going to be. The poem takes about 60 seconds to read, so I'll go ahead and just read it for those who've never heard it before. I'll just We've already read the first stanza, so I'll start with the first clue, which is, Begin it where the warm waters halt, and take it in the canyon down. Not far, but too far to walk. Put it, sorry, put in below the home of Brown. From there, it's no place for the meek. The end is ever drawing nigh. There'll be no paddle up your creek just heavy loads and water high. If you've been wise and found the blaze, look quickly down your quest to cease, but tarry scant with marvel gaze. Just take the chest and go in peace. So why is it that I must go and leave my trove for all to seek? The answer is I already know. I've done it tired, and now I'm weak. So hear me all and listen good. Your effort will be worth the cold. If you are brave and in the wood, I give you title to the gold. Very nice. I think I know where it is now. (laughs) Because clearly this is the second time you've read it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Yeah. You know, it's, it's a wonderful riddle. It's a wonderful poem. Forrest said it took him 15 years to write that poem. And, and so how can we expect, how can anybody expect to, read the poem and know the answer in 10 or 15 minutes or wake up in the morning and have it solved. I mean, a guy who spends 15 years writing, what is there? I don't remember how many, 155 words or something like that. Uh, how, 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 how do you not think that every single one of those words is important? The interpretation of what each and every one of those words is not important. Uh, and that it's, you, you can't just look at it like a nursery rhyme and, 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 and think it's, uh, it's, you're going to crack it. You're going to have to do some research. You're going to have to look up words. You're going to have to read the book. You're going to have to, uh, use your smarts to figure out how, what Forrest meant. Yeah, no, it's so true. Um, I kind of wrote a summary, kind of like a checklist, and I'm sure you probably have one too, where these are things that you must be true, that we kind of like, these are the few things we know besides the poem itself. Um, obviously, where where the warm waters halt is the key thing that that's the hardest thing to know. He did say that pine trees and sagebrush must be nearby. So if you're searching in an area that does not have pine trees and sagebrush, it can't be there. Um he did say it's between five and 10,200 feet, 5,000 to 10,200 feet. I thought, remember when he, when he was on, I saw the video of him when he was announcing it on the Today Show. He said, the forest, the, 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 the treasure is above seven, uh, 5,000 feet. Did you hear that? Yeah, it's been talked about widely on the, on the blogs yeah. and, and, uh, and the forums. Right. And so some people think, okay, well, he almost said 7,000. He stumbled. And and maybe that means that it really is. But the poem does says that you're cold. You know, if you've braved the cold, if you've endured the cold, that could be because of a high altitude. Um, He gives the the impression that there must be a a nice view. Um, I also figured that higher places must be uh, less have less foot traffic than places of low altitude. 
So that's why I was just thinking if if you're going to err to one side of the altitude uh, scale, it's probably on the high side of the altitude, closer to 10,000 than it is to 5,000. But again, I'm just speculating. That's not for sure by any means. Uh, what do you, he's do you given agree? us he's given us some additional information about that. For instance, he has said it's not on a mountaintop. Yeah, that's uh, right. He said so, it could be near the mountaintop. That's right. He did say that. <laughs> right. um, and and we also know that he intended this whole search to be for families. He he wanted kids out there. And we know it's not in a dangerous place. I mean, he, he said, said it's that. not on the, like Yellowstone Canyon. Is that right? Uh, yeah. Um, he didn't rule yeah. out that it, that happened. He. He 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 said over and over again, and you said this in the beginning. Remember, an eighty-year-old guy hid this, and and what does that mean exactly? Well, I don't, you know, Forrest. Yes, Forrest was a was was a fit person at eighty, but he didn't go rappelling down a cliff, right? You know, and and right. he didn't get in a whitewater uh, situation in a raft. Uh, he he did something that you can do with your family. He drove to a certain place. He got out of his vehicle. He walked uh, with 21 pounds and to his hiding place and hit it. He walked back to his car, got another 21 pounds, walked back to the same place, hit it in the same place, and walked back to his car again. And he did all this in an afternoon. That doesn't mean that he took all afternoon to do it. It could mean that it took him two hours in an afternoon. could mean that it took him 25 minutes in an afternoon. Or it could mean that it took him all afternoon. But you have to be very, very cautious about how you interpret words that he has given us. Yeah, no, that's definitely true, and it's easy so, to, to get yeah, carried away. We, we know it's in a safe place. We, we know it's not in a dangerous place. And people who think that they need to be Indiana Jones to go out looking for this thing, rappel down the side of a cliff, get into a whitewater raft, uh, they're fooling themselves. And they're likely to put themselves in danger that you certainly don't have to be in to go find this treasure. This is for, this is for families. This is for children. This is meant to be a lot of fun. It's not meant to be a physical test. He did say that the bronze treasure chest is wet. He says, I know it's wet. And somebody asked him, well, why do you know it's wet? He said, physics tells me it's wet. Right. But remember, and and I think you alluded to this, remember the time of year that he said that. Yeah, he he may have said it. I don't remember when he said it, but I alluded to it. You're right. I I I believe it was in January. Okay, right. So it could be covered in snow. Yeah, absolutely. And, and... I mean, I'm sorry. It could be due in the morning. Sure, of you course. Know? Yeah. Uh, uh, it's, it, he has also ruled out, he has said, it's not in water. Right. So, you know, and if you think about that, uh, it makes sense. I mean, he isn't going to plunk it down in the Madison River or the fire hole somewhere because... Uh, wash away. That's right. Uh, those yeah. currents would, I mean, have you seen the size boulders, those currents have, particularly if he wants it to to be there for, uh, you know, a thousand years. And he has said as much. So if it's going to be there for a thousand years, he certainly didn't plunk it down in a river somewhere. Right. Um, but at any rate, we know it's not in water. No? Mm-hmm. Could be near water. We like to think it is near water because Forrest was so fond of fishing. Uh, lots mm-hmm. of people think that... Uh, 
one of the lines, home of brown, in, in the poem refers to the home of brown trout. Right. It's a possibility. Other people think it could mean a brown beaver. Other people think it's something completely different. There's a, 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 a ranger, there was a ranger at uh, Yellowstone called Brown, and uh, his cabin uh, there is still called uh, Brown's Cabin. And a lot of people think that that has something to do with the treasure and the home of Brown. Right, there, which I don't it, think so because he says you can't really skip any clues. Right, number one. And number two, he's he's also inferred, and I believe that this is true, that uh, that, sh- that none of the clues have are are man made right right that's right they're they're all geographic places we believe mm-hmm. yeah so you know and he said it doesn't take uh somebody asked him at one point uh, i can't remember what what they asked it might have been history they said uh is is a great deal of historic knowledge going to help me find the chest and Forrest said uh no but but uh, a comprehensive knowledge of geography might help. Right, right. Understanding the terrain and everything like that. Yeah. And Forrest has written a number of emails. That's the wonderful thing about looking for a treasure that the guy who's who hit it is still alive. Sure. Uh, you know, he communicates with us, and he does that via email. He does that via videotaped interviews. Uh, he and, and there's a wealth of information that has been collected over nine years of Forrest in interviews and in writing letters to people um, that we have collected. Uh, most of it's on the blog. And, and, and you can, there, there are basically two blogs that he communicates with. One is Jenny's uh, and the other one is mine. Can and you we have, uh, say the names of both sites, please? Jenny's site is Mysterious Writings. And mine, mine is the thrill of the chase. And mm-hmm. on Jenny's site, Forrest answers specific questions from searchers. They'll write in questions, and Forrest answers them mm-hmm. on her blog. Another and, good um, blog, by the way, is terryscant.com. That's useful for looking up quotes. If right, you want exactly. to know exactly what Forrest said, and by God, it's easy to not know exactly what Forrest said. There's so many... Uh, Long quotes floating around on on the on the web, Forrest. You know, and if you want to know whether or not Forrest actually said that, Terry Scant has. I, I'm not sure how current they are, but at least for the past seven for the first seven years, uh, they have all of his quotes categorized. But there are new there are n- new blogs and and websites that pop up. I would say a few a year, and a lot of them try to condense that information and make sure it's true and do it in an honest way. Um, a lot of them don't care. You know, you go to someplace like Reddit to find out, uh, <laughs> you get information, and Christ, you, you know, you're, you're going to be running around in circles. They've got all kinds of trash. I mean, that's where that's where rumors in the universe began was Reddit, I think, you know. I mean. <laughs> Absolutely. What about the legal implications, which sometimes gets talked about a bunch, because, um, you know, he's collected... I guess he knows a lot about this because he's found all sorts of artifacts, I believe. Um, and these artifacts, when they're found, um, the owner of the land, whether it be the U.S. government or whether it be private property, could lay claim to those artifacts that he has found himself in his treasure hunting. So I guess he's had a lot of experience. 
But regardless, it, it has an implication for whoever finds the actual treasure, because whether it's found in a national park, BLM land, or any kind of uh, Indian land, or it could be on private property, uh, there's a huge implications because the owner of that land could say, hey, no, wait, you, that treasure you just found, that treasure chest, we actually own it because you found it on our property. Which, by the way, for those who kind of bristle at that, if, if somebody imagines somebody just goes into your backyard and finds a big treasure, you might say, well, wait a second. <laughs> you found that in my backyard. Who gave you entrance to my backyard and et cetera? So what do you, uh, what's your quick summary about this whole issue? It's a rabbit hole and it's a distraction. You know, who, who cares? If, if you haven't found the chest, just have fun looking for it. And, and if you have found the chest, that's the time to worry about whether okay. or not, you know, it's yours. <laughs> and, and, uh, in in almost every case, even if it's on private property, if you've found it and you haven't destroyed anybody's private property looking for it, there are legal avenues to uh, to make to get the chest back in your hands again, and that and, and uh, you know I, I, it, it's just foolish. It, just don't don't waste your brain cells on that problem. Waste your brain cells cells on where the chest is. Right. But there is one argument to say, okay, if you can, then let's say eliminate certain possibilities. Like some people say you you should go to Yellowstone National Park because if you want to pick one spot on the planet, that's probably not going to change much for the next thousand years. At least the ownership of it. It's probably Yellowstone National Park. In a thousand years, it'll probably still be a national park unless it blows a super volcano blows. But um, and then conversely, other people say no. If forest has private land, actually owns land that is under a different corporation's name or something else um, that we just can't look it up, and he puts it on his own property, well, then that would be also another no-brainer because then he wouldn't have an, he would avoid all that conflict. Or, for example, it can't be on Indian land, not because not because it can't be there, but because it would just create such a legal warm of headache. So one reason to look at this whole question um, is simply to eliminate possibilities. So there's that utility of doing that mental yeah. exercise. You can't, you can't possibly eliminate anything. Forrest has refused to eliminate it for 10 years. How can you eliminate it? I mean, you know, just because it might be illegal for you to find the chest in or for Forrest to hide the chest in Yellowstone National Park or Mesa Verde or any other place, just because it's illegal doesn't mean he didn't do it. Forrest is crafty. I mean, and as you pointed out, we're better to preserve the place where it's hidden uh, for for the next thousand years, or at least for the foreseeable future, than in a national park where they're not going to be putting up a subdivision or putting in, you know, very many new roads, particularly out in the wilderness. So there are, like you said, there's arguments for and against, but it's a, you can't answer the question. You don't know what's in Forrest's head. He, he's refused to, uh, to, to rule out any particular land formation. Could be on private land, could be on Indian land, could be in a national park, could be in a national forest, you know, could be in a wilderness area, could be on a golf course. I mean, we have no idea. <laughs> uh, you, I think you're foolish at this point to rule out anything. Got it. Now, and, but I do think that also those are good good words of wisdom. I came to the conclusion it's got to be within a mile of a parking lot just because if it's much more than a mile, you're carrying 20 pounds, you know, walking an old man who's 80 years old can't really 
do something in an afternoon. So it has to be a mile or less from a parking lot. Do you think that's reasonable or do you think that's also too much assumptions? No, I think that that's pretty reasonable. Uh, you know, and certainly I met Forrest when he was 81 and he was in good shape and he could certainly have carried 20 pounds, uh, you know, a few miles. But, you know, we're not talking about a 20-mile trek here. And again, you have to put it in perspective of the family. Is a family going to, uh, an average American family who just got off the couch after playing video games going to get up there and walk 20 miles? No friggin' way. You know, mm. <laughs> he, he didn't intend for it to be that kind of a physical test. I also think that something noteworthy has to be within 200 to 500 feet. In other words, it has to be either a parking lot, a monument or a trail or some something because there's no way for him to know. Let's say it's a wide open, crazy field, like a, just a wide open or huge mountain with nothing discernible that you can point to and say that spot. Because for him to know that some people have been within 200 feet, he has to know where they've been. So there's got to be something noteworthy within 200 feet which is of course a very general statement but it is you know something that we that we have to think about right well maybe but i think you're you're inferring that um all these people were walking when they went by it right but it has to be when if they were driving by it it mm -hmm. still has to be a noteworthy uh, oh i guess no. you could say well, oh i see what you mean you could just say i was on highway 35 that's right and there, therefore okay well then therefore and then where were you going from oh i was driving from cody wyoming all the way to west yellowstone oh, okay yeah, took 191 up north you know right. uh, you, you he could remember forrest knows that people have been close to it because folks have written him and told him where they were and where they went or they write him and tell him where they're at today and where they're headed so that's how he knows that people have been close to it, not because he has some secret hidden camera close to the treasure chest, but because folks have written him and said, this is where we looked for us. He gets, I don't remember, I think he gets something like two to 300 emails a day, um, most of them from searchers uh, looking, you know, fishing for additional hints, which he doesn't right. hand out. <laughs> um, but, you know, they tell him where they've been looking or they send him pictures of where they were. Mm -hmm. And so he knows that certain people have been by it. Those people himself, he ne he never told them that they were close to it. He's never of he's claimed he's never done that. But he has told us that some people have been close. Right. And so, you know, and, and he's, again, he's he's crafty about the words he uses. So if he, you know, and in some cases he has used, people have walked right by it. But in other cases, he left out the word walked, and it could very well be that they drove by it. Yeah. Oh, God, what a, a maddening <laughs> but a thrilling adventure it is. It is such a, a, an amazing story. So where are you going to be going this summer when the COVID-19 uh, corona apocalypse ends? Uh, <laughs> well, back up into I, 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 I'm, I'm concentrating in the Gallatin County, Montana area. Okay. Uh, that's where his family had cabins and cottages up near West Yellowstone, Montana. And, uh, and I believe that, 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 well, I, you know, I've been looking there for seven years. I just believe that's the right area. Uh, I refine my search each time I go up. I, I've been, I've been looking more than 80 times. Um, I would say 90% of those searches have been in that area. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I don't Have you wasted very... any time in Colorado? Uh, I did. I can't even remember where I looked once. Oh, um, mm. in two places out there, m- mm. mostly uh, on the Green River. Uh, there's a place up there called uh, Browns Canyon. I've looked around mm. in there a little bit and uh, up in Dinosaur National Park. But that was early on, and I don't believe either of those places have anything to do with uh, forests, uh, with with a place forest would love. Um, you know, it's it's easy to to look at the middle of the poem. You know, begin it where warm waters halt is a difficult difficult first clue. Yes. And what is that? I don't even know what that means, let alone what the heck you know. Uh, f- try to identify a place on the map, but. You take something like a line that says, uh, put in below the home of Brown. Home of Brown is, is, is something I can find on a map. I can find brown canyons, brown maps, brown creeks. Uh, I can find uh, various things that refer to Brown in our universe and apply sure. that to a map. And so a lot of people make the mistake, I think it's a mistake, of, of starting there. Okay, let's look for a home of brown and then go from there. And they just ignore the first few cl- clues. They just start right out in the middle and, and then they claim they, they've figured it out. And it's uh, so funny. There are people who actually written books saying, I have found the treasure. I know exactly where the spot and somebody got there before me. <laughs> and they, they, they cannot conceive that perhaps they're wrong. <laughs> I know. I, I, that's, that drives me crazy that people do that. Well, you know, they're absolutely sure that they've come up with the right solution. They went out and looked. Uh, you know, in, in some there. cases. <laughs> yeah. And, and, but in some cases... Um, you know, most of these ideas that these people have for first souls have been many, you know, we're talking about, you said half a million. I think that's low. I think there have been millions of people out looking. But, you know, people, it's like Reddit sometimes, you know, if I don't, if I don't find the treasure, I think I'll screw with the next person who comes here. Right. <laughs> and And we've had reports of people finding nice little, the, the treasure chest, by the way, is, uh, eight by eight by five inches. So we've had reports of people finding when they got to the location, the chest wasn't there. But guess what? There was an eight by eight, five inch hole, you know, perfectly dug out recently. And so someone dug up the treasure chest and, you know, but what's interesting about this, I get reports, I get probably two or three reports that somebody has found it uh, spring, summer and fall months every year. And, and, you know, folks writing me. And what's interesting about this is that, I mean, so what is that? A couple hundred people over, over, over nine years. And, and ever, no, no, no two of those spots have ever been the same. Right. <laughs> no. So, yeah, no, the treasure has not been found. Forrest has told us that he will tell us. Of course, assuming that he's still alive, I don't think he's figured out a way to tell us if he's not. But you know, he's going to be ninety this year. Uh, but Forrest has told us that when it's found, he'll he'll let us know. And the reason to let us know is because he he doesn't want anybody out there spending money and looking for the treasure chest uh, when it isn't when it isn't findable anymore. Yeah, no, that's one of my big concerns is that's why I really would like somebody to find it while he's still alive. And he's 90 years old now. We really got to find it 
ideally in the next couple of years. Uh, I would love to go this summer. I probably won't be able to because I'm still working on my Africa book, but I've put it in my calendar. If nobody has found it by 2021, I'll go out there and be another ridiculous searcher out there who <laughs> thinks, no, this time it will be different. <laughs> but it, yeah, you say ridiculous, but you know, it is fun. It, it is a lot of fun of and, and it is an adventure. And you know, what is particularly if you're not from the mountain area and, and you, you want to have a nice, interesting, fun family vacation, you know, you sit down at the picnic table in the winter or whether this coronavirus is going on, you, you sit down at the kitchen table with your kids and 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 you you try to figure out where the treasure chest is, and you come up with a solution. And then when the weather gets good and coronavirus is over, take a family vacation and go out and look for it. What could be more fun than looking for a hidden treasure uh, while you're out exploring the mountains? I mean, that's it is that's that's what motivates me, and that's why I wanted to talk to you so badly. Because, like I said from the very beginning of this podcast, I've been hiking so much in the mountains. I've, I'm kind of like. I read Forrest's book and I thought to myself, God, we are kindred spirits. We just love the outdoors and just exploring. Although I'm not a fisherman, I think it would be useful if I were because I would understand him maybe a bit better. But anyway, uh, now I could combine my passion for being outdoors. And by the way, as a bonus, you might actually get some treasure. I mean, it's one in a million shot, but hey. In the worst case, you'll have gotten a nice uh, fresh air and, and it's a it's a great adventure to do it. So I wish you the best of luck to find it in the Gallatin uh, uh, forest or somewhere out there. Um, yeah, it's going to be it's going to be I, I can't wait for somebody to yeah. find it. There's always treasures to be found when you're out there walking around. I mean, uh, people find Indian arrowheads, people see buffalo or people see moose and people see elk. Uh, people see bald eagles, uh, you know, people have small adventures. If you're a fisher person, you know, going out there and bringing your, your fly rod along, uh, assuming you purchased a license, um, you know, I mean, all of this is is just great fun. And, and there are lots of little treasures. If you don't find the big treasure, I can't think of a trip I went on when I didn't come back with with some kind of a little treasure. Uh, that that I, I have on a shelf over here. When I look at it, it reminds me of that particular trip. It's fun. Yeah, no, absolutely. I can't wait. Uh, I really want to go on this adventure, and, and I don't know where I would start, although I agree with you in your logic that it's probably up in Wyoming. It's got to be a place that's sentimental. There's a video of you. I think you're searching with a, a woman, and both of you are, are out there, and she's a longtime searcher as well. And you guys both concluded it's got to be a place that's emotional for Forrest Fenn. Yeah, it's gotta, that's it's Cynthia. Be, Cynthia yeah. has a blog, too, and I'm not going to remember the name of it. Um, maybe you can mention it. but I don't remember it myself, but I can put it in the show notes if I want. Yeah, yeah. And Cynthia has a wonderful blog, too, and she's been looking for nearly as long as I have. Uh, she She's wonderful. In fact, I, well, no, I'm not going to say that. Never mind. <laughs> oh, she knows where it is. Is that what you're trying to say? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm the one who knows where it is. Don't, don't you read the blogs? <laughs> you're about to blurt it out. <laughs> and Cynthia and I are going to go pick it up next weekend when we, oh, well, I better not say that. <laughs> yeah. Cynthia has a great time. She searches by herself uh, generally, uh, except uh, a few times when she searched with a, you know, a partner. 
um, but she generally searches by herself. She also, she had, she wrote the book on where to search in New Mexico. If you're looking for ideas about where to go looking in New Mexico uh, that were unsuccessful for Cynthia, but might not be so unsuccessful for you, Cynthia wrote a book about, about all the places she searched in New Mexico. But now she searches up in, uh, up in Montana and Wyoming. Is, where does she live? She lives in... Uh, what state? Uh, uh, New Mexico. Oh, maybe so. Maybe that's why she started in New Mexico. Yeah, she's a, she's a longtime hiker, so she's been uh, you know she's hiked New Mexico, and and she fell for the concept like uh, many of us have that Forrest must have hidden it close to where he lives because otherwise right. you know how could he have done it in an afternoon? Well, you know you, you just need to explore right. that afternoon idea a little bit, and you'll see what he, what what, he, what he's talking about. Well, I thought that, I had read somewhere that that his that he had gone and his wife didn't know he was gone and he came back. And so I thought I heard that story, but again, that's probably a misquote because obviously. No, here, here, I can, I can score that away. So when Forrest was, Forrest was building the treasure. So, uh, he, he got the box and he started putting stuff in it and he rearranged this for many years. Uh, we have pictures of, of the chest, but not in its final form, but we have picture of the chest opened up with things in it, but the the picture was taken before the final arrangement of stuff. Forrest would put things in, and later on he would take it out and put something else in, and and it, so he kept doing this for years. And but he would take this box out, and he would show it to people who came over and visited him. That's how another reason why we know that the chest existed, uh, or exists. Uh, many of his friends saw this chest. Lots of folks saw this chest. Uh, I'm good friends with uh, Forrest's nephew. Uh, Creighton Finn and uh, Creighton goes to visit Forrest every Christmas and you know more than once uh, Creighton would Forrest would say go to my vault Forrest has a walk-in vault in his house and go to my vault and get the chest and bring it out here and Creighton would do that carry weight 42 pounds and carry it out to the kitchen table where Forrest would go over to look at this I decided to put this in and 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 so uh I mean, we know that that chest exists. Uh, we we know that that Forrest was having fun with it, that he was enjoying putting it together, and and he would in the last couple of years before he hit it, he would put it in his vault, and it, a lot of times his vault's open, and certainly his family can go in and out of his vault, and so he he would have the chest in his vault, but he would put a, a red bandana over it just because to hide it. Nobody ever thought anything like that, you know, just keeping dust off of it or whatever. Uh, and when he decided to hide the chest, he put a, a pile of books that were about the same size as the chest on the shelf where the chest was and put the red bandana over it. Mm, I didn't so that nobody knew exactly when he hid the chest. Mm. But Forrest... Would you know? Some people say, "Well, it must be close by." He couldn't have just left the house. I mean, and gone to hide this chest for six days. But absolutely, Forrest could. Forrest was not a person who stuck around home. He was always an explorer and an adventurer and a trader. He went to uh, places to purchase paintings to sell in his gallery. He went to places to trade stuff for his own collection. Uh, he went out exploring, looking for. Things uh, on his own. There was an uh, annual he, conference that he went to in Cody, Wyoming, correct? 
Well, he was on the board of the museum there at Cody, the Muse- Museum of the West. Is that what it's called? I can't remember. We shortly re- we refer to it as the Cody Museum, and he was on the board there. So he went to board meetings annually. Um, so, yes, he would head up to Cody, and he, sometimes Peggy went with him and sometimes not. But even all by himself, I mean, Forrest would just decide to go up to Wyoming and a place that he heard about and, and search for points or relics or anything, you know. I, I mean, he 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 didn't stay at home except when he had to. And the most he was ever at home was when he was working in that, when he owned that gallery. Uh, before and after that, he was on the move constantly. His family was used to that. Forrest would just go away and do things. He'd be gone for three, four, five, six days. He had an airplane. He would fly uh, to Cody or rent a car. Um, sometimes he would fly, sometimes he would drive. I mean, right. you know, there's all kinds of ways that, uh, that he could have hidden that chest. When you search, Dale, do you spend uh, a month or the entire summer? How, how, what's your schedule like when you typically? No, for me, uh, uh, well, uh, I was working right up until last July. And so like everybody, I got an annual vacation and I would take my vacation and, and go because for me the search area is quite far from where I live uh, so I couldn't just go for an afternoon and search I had to make a trip out of it so for me uh, I, I would go uh, once a year maybe for a week or part of my vacation sometimes all of it and go and search uh, and the rest of the time of course after I failed I would come back and and uh, try to figure out what I did wrong right uh, and then plan for the next year uh, but now that I'm retired, I can spend as much time as I want doing that, assuming that I still have money left to do it with. I mean, it does take money. <laughs> you know, yeah, it does sure. take a little bit of money. I mean, you've got to drive there. You've got to pay gas. You've got to eat in a restaurant or cook all your own meals. If you're not going to camp, you need to get a motel room or something. So, you know, it, it takes money. I do it very cheaply. I stay in my van. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, I, I travel in my van. I stay in my van. Um, or what are the rules for sleeping in a van? Are uh, you can't sleep in a van in a national park, or can you? I guess. Oh yes, you can. Well, you can't just pull off on the side of the road and sleep. Uh, mm-hmm. Just like on a California beach, you can't do that. But uh, no, you can camp in a van if you make a reservation in a campground in a national park. They don't care whether you have a tent or an RV or a van or your car. No, but you, there's no place to camp for free in your car. Not in a national park. Right. But you can in national forests. In a national forest, you just can pull off the side of the road and camp any place you want, decide this is it. Right. Um, And and you can do that in many other places, too. Like there are many uh, places, like you mentioned before, little pull-offs where you can enjoy the view. And in most most states, at any rate, there isn't a sign at that pull-off that says no overnight uh, staying. So you can park there, sleep overnight, um, and get up and go 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 searching. Yeah, or do what I like to do. I like to just camp outside, so I'll just put my backpack. I'll leave the car parked and go off on a, a walk. Exactly. My, yeah, and then you can. But then the problem with that is that you can sometimes get really deep, and which is fine for the adventure, but it's not practical if you're actually looking for the treasure to get you know five or ten miles off of a trailhead. <laughs> then you're then you're you're probably too far deep um, yeah. to do that. And, and if you're if you're not on a trail, you can get lost that way. Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. But I love getting lost. So, um, last question. So, what if somebody finds it 
in your lifetime and how that news makes you feel. Would you feel a sense of huge sense of relief or you'd be like, damn it, I should have checked there more because I was right there before. <laughs> well, I'm sure that's what's going to happen. I'm going <laughs> to, when it's revealed where the treasure chest was and what the clues were and what they all meant singly, one by one, uh, uh, none of this, you know, we're not going to know any of this until the treasure chest is found because Forrest isn't going to tell us. So until it's found, we won't know what the correct solution is. Um, and and so I'm naturally, I'm going to go, why didn't I think of that? You know, what the <laughs> or, or no, you probably, you probably did think of that. Yeah. <laughs> so but I didn't look did. up or I didn't. Right, right. Or you walked yeah. right by it. You're one of the 200. <laughs> yeah. 200 footers. <laughs> yeah. You know, uh, so that's going to be my first reaction. Absolutely. But I'm not going to be bitter. I'm not going to be. Uh, I'm just going to go on to the next thing in my life. And I'm probably going to continue. And, you know, lots of people have said, you know, if I find the chest, I'm going to rehide that chest because this is a fun game. Right, 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 right. No, so, absolutely. So lots of people think, you know, okay, there's, say, a, a couple of million dollars worth of stuff in here. Maybe I'll take something out and then rehide the chest. Oh, what fun. Continue the saga. Yeah, Let it go sure. on and on. Totally. It'll always be known as Forrest Fenn's chest. All right, Dale. Thank you so much for all your time. This has definitely lived up to all my high expectations. This has been one of my favorite conversations I've had. It's such a, I'm so excited about this chest. And, and the whole thrill of the chase, it's just, it's, uh, it's going to be a fun adventure. And uh, I really hope that you've inspired lots of people as well to get out there, go look, go hike. It's, it's a great, it's a great thing. Once again, to end it on, um, remind everybody how they can follow you and your journey and your website, which is packed, packed, packed with information. Yeah, thank you. It, it is. Uh, and by the way, we're, we're doing, you know, there seems to be an awful lot of people involved in the in the hunt for the chest. We've got uh, something like um, a thousand unique viewers every hour on the on the blog. Wow, wow! So, and th- those those folks are not all of them are in the USA. A lot are in Canada. Some are in Mexico. Australia has a big contingent of folks who are looking. Uh, Germany is another place where people come from to look for the chest. So. Mm-hmm. It's a worldwide phenomenon. I call it America's best treasure hunt. So that's N-E-I-T-Z-E-L dot com. And I will go ahead and put uh, the uh, links to that on the website. Thank you again, Dale. I really wish you the best. If anybody, you're one of those people who've really put a lot of effort to help spread the information out there. Well, thank you very much. And and get out there and have fun. And I know you will be. Uh, let me know where you go. <laughs> okay, I will. Definitely. I'm, I'm, I'm like with you. I think uh, Wyoming is 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 the logical area but unfortunately that's quite a big state <laughs> yeah darn it why didn't he hide it in rhode island <laughs> right you know or it could be or actually in montana to uh around and somewhere in or around yellowstone is where my thinking is taking me but what the hell do i know i haven't even looked once <laughs> <laughs> you probably know as much as everybody else who's been looking. Exactly. Uh, and that's that's what's fun about it is it doesn't make any difference whether you've been looking for nine years or, or you just started today. You have as good a chance of finding it as anybody. Welcome back, Dale. You have some big news for us. Well, I, it was certainly big for the searcher community. Uh, 
yesterday morning, Forrest uh, sent everyone out an email letting us know that uh, the treasure chest had been found, and uh, he wasn't going to say who. He said it was. Uh, um, he referred to the the person as a as a guy in, uh, who lived in the east. And so, I mean, that was that was huge. He didn't give us any more information, and of course, you know, folks have been out looking for this treasure for years and years. And my guess from the from the load on my blog after he made that announcement, uh, we're talking about hundreds of thousands of people who were interested in 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 knowing where it was found and what the solution was. But so right. far, Forrest hasn't released that information. Which is completely understandable and expected, I would say. Not really. Um, you know, the Forrest has said that there are photographs, and uh, I mean, he's got a, a dedicated following of followers. And right now, the only thing they want to know is, you know, how close were they? How, right. How how close was their solution to being the right solution? Did they walk right by it, or <laughs> you know, were they a thousand miles from it? And right. and that's really not asking very much, uh, unless of course the answer to this problem is the reason that Forrest won't release this information is because it was on some sort of land where taking the chest was inappropriate, possibly even illegal. And we talked about that originally a couple of weeks ago when we originally re recorded this podcast. Now, today we're recording this on June 8th, and my understanding is that Forrest said he would be sharing some more information in the next day or two. Is that correct? Yeah, that, that's what he said. Um, so far, he's pretty clammed up about everything. So, Right. He, although he is releasing more information to the press than he is to the searchers directly uh, via the blogs. So how do you feel, Dale? I mean, you, it must be, I would thought one word, at least for me, was bittersweet. <laughs> no, I, I'm actually, uh, I mean, there's a disappointment, of course, in the fact that I didn't, I wasn't the, the lucky guy that, that found it or the smart guy that found it. Um, and, I, I, and I wasn't smart enough to figure out the puzzle of the poem. So there's disappointment in that. But there's a tremendous amount of relief. <laughs> I have to tell you, uh, boy, I'm going to be very relieved not to be a professional blogger uh, after 10 years of this. <laughs> uh, and, and, you know, yesterday was an immense, it was an immense uh, heavy load on the blog. I mean, our server went down five or six times. Uh, we were talking about, you know, 250, 300, 400, 500, the number kept growing of connections at one time. And the, the, the very moment one would drop off, another one took its place. Uh, I mean, we were talking about over 6,000 views on the blog per hour. I tried to see it yesterday and I couldn't get through. Eventually I got through after about an hour of trying. Yeah, so it was pretty hard to provide, you know, new information as we got it. And it was pretty hard to keep up with all the requests for information. And uh, and it was difficult to even know what was going on. You know, and 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 there are things I've I've always insisted on on the blog, and that, that is, you know, you, you hold keep your temper in your pocket. Uh, and and we know that there are lots of kids out there who are looking for the chest, and so 
we we don't want people uh, using language or telling stories that would upset anybody. And 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 so you know I've always tried to manage the blog that way. But yesterday, boy, there were a lot of really unhappy people, and there was a, a lot of uh, a lot of language that was flying around on the blog that was really inappropriate. And and trying to police that, uh, you know, for me was practically impossible because I couldn't get on the blog any easier than anybody else. Wow, that's amazing. Um, I'm trying to, and like I said, I thought of it as bittersweet. Sweet that is, you know, I'm happy it's over, and found, somebody found it. I don't have to, I don't have to think about this anymore. And of course, I have, I've thought about it far less than any other search. I didn't even search for it once. <laughs> I just found out about the treasure a couple of months ago. Um, but, uh, but, but, but bitter in the sense that you know, uh, it's kind of upsetting. What I don't understand is why are people flinging? Uh, what's the source, or what is the the alleged reason of why people are so angry is it what are what's the common theme of the anger where is it directed to what's what's it about well uh, I th- there's a couple of, of places it comes from one is we talked about this before but uh, some people believe uh, that it's a hoax and that the fact that forest isn't releasing in, any information about where it was found just seems to support their belief that this whole thing was just a a big hoax Right, I mean, right. if it was a hoax, it it's pretty easy to say, okay, it's been found, done, bye. And, and that really upsets people. And it makes people who, who never thought that it was a hoax, it makes them suspicious. Um, so that's where some of the, the, the anger comes from. Right. The anger also comes from, I think, and I think this is very, very misplaced. Uh, some people think that they, their solution was the source of where it was found. Now, understand, nobody knows where it was found yet. Yet, some people on the blog are very upset about the fact that they communicated their solution to Forrest in an email, and they feel that Forrest's email was hacked, that the person who found it used their solution to find the chest. <laughs> Now, I mean, I could understand that feeling if, you know, we all knew where it was found and your solution was the perfect solution. Right. But how can you jump to that conclusion? I mean, oh, God. How can, I, you know, it, it's a mystery oh, to me. But yes, there's a lot of people who are upset about that. Um, God. Really, it's just amazing. It's just human psychology. It's so funny. Oh, God. Okay, so now that we can... Let's just spill the beans here at this point, Dale. Now that it's been found, we can all share our deepest, darkest, you know, like, not darkest, but I guess our our solutions that we didn't, we hadn't, we hadn't shared publicly, that we had kept tight to the vest up until now. And the reason I wanted to go through this quick exercise was simply so that you can say, or anybody can say, I told you so. <laughs> that's where it was <laughs> and then and i felt that it's either you'd feel really good in the sense that okay i was smart or really bad because damn it why didn't i go there and find it and if, if i was so confident about that area or that so so here's my question to you dale at least for you personally where were you planning to go this season 2020 because i think you were planning to go out there and where were you going to look what was your top two, three hot spots where you thought it was going to be. And where do you think maybe one or two places that you 
went to and you thought i know you told me the the place that you had were most confident in was a place that was your very first place and then you realized it was kind of not right but is there any place in retrospect that you think it i think it would have been there so basically name me your top three four places that you think it's at and then that way you can say i told you so yeah <laughs> and I will too. I'm going to call you up. I'm <laughs> <laughs> actually, I I don't have three or four. I mean, uh, I only have one uh, actually that I've been working on for the past three years. And my mind hasn't changed much. It's broadened out a little uh, from from a specific place where it wasn't to you know you keep widening out and widening out, hoping that uh, you know you were off by you know, maybe half a mile or a quarter of a mile or maybe even a whole mile. But uh, uh, the, the, the general area that I believe it's in is along the Madison River uh, between, uh, let's say, uh, let's say Cable Car Run, which is a fishing spot on Lake Madison in the park, and uh, Hebgen Lake. So that's probably... Eight, nine miles of water. Now I don't believe it's in the in the water at all. It, I believe it was up on on dry land, and I don't believe it was buried. I believe it was I don't hidden, but probably only hidden by the fact that it was uh, you know in tall grass or uh, or under some under some trees. Uh, I don't think that it was under a rock or buried or anything like that. Um, so, you know, and that's as close as I can come. And I keep exploring that area, uh, mm. and I have been for the past three or four years. And what I place sh- would surprise you the most? If, if let's say, if it had been found in Colorado, would you be shocked? No, but I'd be incredibly surprised to find out it was anywhere in New Mexico. Uh, okay. <laughs> I just don't okay. believe, uh, you know, I spent the first two or three years I was looking looking in New Mexico, and I... New Mexico is a wonderful state, but honestly, there's, and and maybe it's because it's so close to to Texas, but but uh, there's so many people that have tramped up what you know the wilderness areas out there. I mean, it was it was hard for me to find uh, you know really pristine areas out there. Uh, practically every place was 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 trampled down and, and beat up by by folks uh, because of the heavy amount of use. And and I just couldn't see it being in that kind of that kind of a location. I mean, there are some beautiful places there, but they're protected areas, and I never thought Forrest put it in a protected area like a an Indian reservation or a pueblo or uh, mm-hmm. or or uh, on on private land like Philmont Scout Ranch or any 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 of those kinds of places that certainly are beautiful because they're maintained and the the amount of traffic is is closely guarded. What's next for you? Uh, are you going to go for another treasure hunt? No, well, I'm headed out. Yes, actually, uh, not for another treasure hunt so much, uh, but I'm certainly going to go back and, and, you know, if there's one thing that that I've learned in the in the 10 years of uh, playing with, with, this, uh, with this hidden treasure of forests is that uh, these mountains are beautiful. The Rocky Mountains yeah. are a gorgeous place, and, and I really have learned... Uh, by searching for forest's treasure, that 
it's a great deal of fun just to walk around in them, just to appreciate the beauty, just to fall asleep, uh, uh, you know, uh, underneath a, a tall pine, just to wake up smelling sage, just to hear the, the sound in the evening of a gurgling stream. I mean, I, I really, 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 really like that. And and I don't plan on stopping that at all. And uh, so, yeah, I'm planning to head out as soon as I can. Uh, and, and I'm you know, as soon as I can put this blog to rest, <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm planning to get out in the mountains and just uh, just smell the sunshine. I actually will confess to you, I, I promised myself if I found the treasure, I would give you a nugget just because of all the stuff you've done for the community or something like that. You know, it's just like and I would also give I was also planning to give back. I think it was a, a, a bracelet that he really liked. That's right. Yeah, that was one of the things that he mentioned he put in the chest and he he always kind of said that uh, that if anybody found the chest, he would like to have that bracelet back that he regretted he would putting buy it. it in there. Yeah. yeah he and he, he offered. Buy, buy. He, I mean, it was part but it was part of the. You know, we all, or I always felt, I don't know if everybody did, but I always felt it was part of the way that he would uh, sort of guarantee that the person who found the chest would let him know that they ah. found it. Uh, you know, it was it was part of, part of that, uh, um, you know, nobody's just going to take the chest and run uh, kind of a tactic. Dale, I have a hypothesis, and tell me if you think you agree or not. I think we will not find out most of the details about this until 2021 just because we won't find the identity of the person all the the whole background the whole story we might find out where the location of the treasure is in the next couple of days but as far as the whole nine yards that may be much longer in the making because of all the legal issues that we talked about i hope you're wrong i hope that uh i mean i'll tell you it's very sad for the searchers if they if they can't find this i mean for a lot of searchers this has been you know practically a full-time job and they invested i'm not talking about money i'm talking about time they invested an awful lot of it into this thing and and i'm pretty sure that this would be incredibly discouraging and it would upset many folks and forrest would lose an awful lot of friends that he gained on the on the search if if this is not revealed within a an expedient amount of time when you say this, are you talking about just the location? I'm t- I was talking about the whole thing, like the identity of the searcher, how he found it, what he did, how long he had been searching for, you know, his whole background and story. Uh, that would be fun. And I think I don't know whether that will ever come out. You know, if 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 it turns out that Forrest hid this chest, uh, say, in a national park and this guy doesn't want to ever admit that he's the guy that that uh, that that found it and carted it away without letting the rangers know. Uh, I can see how that information would never come out. Uh, however, uh, that's the that's the that's the information that the searchers need. Not 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 about the guy. We can we can we can forget about that part, but we cannot forget about where the treasure was hidden and what the solution to the poem was. I do think that will be revealed. Very soon, like this month in June of 2020. But I, uh, but I was talking more about the the whole nine yards of story about the whole searcher. Anyway, I we'll we'll see what happens. I hope you're right. I hope I hope it all comes out. That'll be that'll be fun, and it'll be it'll be it'll be a good story. And I would imagine that if he has that story and he's willing to tell it, uh, somebody will buy it from him. Exactly. Right. Yeah. 
Exactly. And and by the way, uh, we know it's not you because you're not from the East Coast. And we know it's not your uh, Cynthia, who is also. Did you talk to Cynthia, the other big searcher out there? No, I did talk to Well, I didn't talk to her. I, I emailed her right after I found out uh, about this because uh, and, and she emailed me back and she said no comment. And and I thought to myself, oh, my God, did Cynthia find it? <laughs> I mean, she's usually pretty talkative. And I thought, no comment. That's a heck of a thing to say to your old buddy Dale, you know. <laughs> but she she sent me another note later on after she probably cooled down a little bit and yeah. said, no, it wasn't me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, once the, once the forest said it was a male. Uh, from the East Coast or the East, Eastern United States. All right, Dale. Well, we'll uh, chat maybe one more time once we find a lot more details, uh, ideally. But I really appreciate you giving us the update and talking about this fascinating treasure hunt that has finally ended. Have fun and don't forget to get out there and smell that sunshine. And that concludes this episode of the Wander Learn podcast, where we explore travel, technology, and transformation. If you'd like to see the show notes with links to what we talked about, or if you'd like to comment on the show, or if you'd like to ask me a question, then go to wanderlearn.com and click on this episode. If you'd like to connect with me, just remember FTAPON. That's my first initial and my last name. FTAPON is the username I use on all social media. You can also get to my website by going to ftapon.com. And here's one last reason to remember FTAPON. If you like what I do and would like to get rewarded for supporting my projects, then go to patreon.com slash ftapon. That's where you can pick up some remarkable rewards for as little as $2 a month. And now for five quick favors. Number one, subscribe to the Wander Learn podcast. Two, download it. Three, share it. Four, review it somewhere. And five, sign up for my newsletter at wanderlearn.com. Our theme music was composed by Eric Stratman. This is Francis Tapon encouraging you to wander and learn.